Clarice. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> it's episode 142 of the SoCo Show. Uh, this, for the for the final time this month, I say, I suppose, is uh, co-exotic. Joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Isn't it weird how, like, when we started the month, that was all the rage, and now no one gives a fuck about Joe Exotic <laughs> and Tiger King anymore? Dude, you talk about things that come and go, uh, and especially things that come. JB is back again. Oh, I'm so sticky over here. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys do you guys ever hear like remember I, I don't know, I guess I heard this when I was a kid cuz I hung around some perverted people. Um, <laughs> uh come and go was also referred to as sperm and split. Oh, mine was jizz and I jet. That <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one for ejaculate and evacuate was the one I had heard. <laughs> And this will make no sense for uh, the two listeners who live outside of uh, Iowa, but. Yeah, no, people who go there, though, that is. So for those who don't know, in Iowa, there is a convenience store called Come and Go. Uh, and the come part is spelled K-U-M. So it, it looks like they know what they're saying. Um, <laughs> so it's Come and Go. I actually used to work at one of these. And. uh and it's if you grow up around them, it's fine. It's like a little joke. A lot of like it's like a hacky joke that like a ton of people make, but everyone's just kind of okay with it. But then you bring someone who's not from the Midwest in as an adult for the first time and show them come and go, and they freak out. Like I've had this happen twice in the last like two years. People who I've taken home or who have visited me there for the first time uh, are shocked to see uh, come and go written that way because I guess it is vulgar, but we're just desensitized to it. Isn't that yeah. weird? I guess yeah, yeah. Now that you're saying that, I've just yeah it's it's just been a piece of life just, just a thing uh semen and salutations is that mm. one mm. oh gosh <laughs> skeet and yeet i guess that's an updated <laughs> new one <laughs> no it'd be skeet and beat or yeet or yeet and skeet i don't know which goes i don't know what either of the words means so I'd, i guess i can't skeet it sure. and beat it now we're just kind of evolving it or devolving it to yeah other things Speak for yourself. I was I was evolving it, and Jared was about to revolve it, but you devolved it. Yeah, and now now it's gone. Well, the we DJ tried. revolves it. Wicka wicka wicka. Oh man, this is gonna be a fun show. I can tell. <laughs> what's the um? What's that one that's the song go that goes? Uh, there's a lot of them. Um, that one. Where it's like, there's heavy well, breathing. My heart and, like, will go on. Yeah, I think no. <laughs> well, there's the one that's there's obviously the yin yang twist. Hey, little mama, let me whisper in here. Tell you something that you might like to hear. There's that, and they do some ah, ah, in that one. But I think the one I'm thinking of is Shakira's She Wolf. No, She Wolf. No, that's that's not She Wolf. Yeah, you know that one. Let it out so it can breathe. I think that's how. It oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Seth. What are your favorite top five heavy breathing moments in music? Um, it's all. It's mostly just all the 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 five moments where uh, we were dancing on the dance floor in college, and I was having trouble breathing, so I had to go get shots. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did this actually happen? 
I mean, not breathing, but I was definitely sweaty. And and every time I'd go get shots, it was because I was sweaty and wanted to cool down. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. For some reason, my mind was like thinking medical shots. And I was like, are you like allergic or something? Yeah, I went and took an EpiPen every like 20 minutes. (laughs) I'm partying to death out here, guys. I was I was not I was spending like 120 in booze, but I was spending like a thousand dollars every weekend on EpiPens so that I could survive on the dance floor. Health insurance, man. It was heroic. It really was heroic effort. It, and by the end of it, Seth was such a regular at the bar, he could just go up to the bar and go, "Give me what I want," <laughs> and they would put a couple of put a couple shots out there for him. <laughs> It was really funny though, because oh, like man. girls would think that they were like Jello shots that you spray in your mouth, and they'd get a rude awakening when they get a big old helping of EpiPen in their tongue. Mm. <laughs> well, it was just so like it was just College so weird, like to go out to the bar and like there was people that just brought you know pockets full of peanuts. Like it was just just so weird. <laughs> or or in Jared's case, <laughs> pocket full of pizza. Oh yeah, pocket full of pizza is my autobiography. <laughs> I got a pocket, got a pocket full of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's a parody. This was, uh, so I want to, I want to revisit, uh, Seth in the club in college. Uh, cause Jared, I know you've experienced this. It was, it was the highest honor among us and our group of friends to be quietly pulled aside from the dance floor group and brought over to the bar by Seth for shots. <laughs> uh, Des, you've had this experience, I'm sure. I, I, I feel like I probably, I mean, again, like it was college. I don't remember any of it. Um, but Seth, you and I, we hung out and went and played like video games a lot. So I'm sure that that happened, right? Oh, yeah. That that was probably the highest of high honors, which was like, I'm tired of being in this club. I want to go play video games. Jared, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, all right. That was, it was, for the longest time, it was Seth's classic move, like, We'd dance our asses off, and then Seth would just give, like, a secretive tap to any one person in the group, and then they would go away and get shots, and then they would both come back, and Seth would tap someone new and take them and get shots. So Seth would get so fucked up because he'd get a shot with everybody, and so mm-hmm. everybody else had one shot, but he had eight, and then we'd have to carry him home. There so, was times wh- where, like, there would only be, we'd only go out with a couple people, so I would literally just find random people and, and buy shots. And to, to my to, to my discredit, none of them were ever girls. So, hey, bro, you want this shot? It's a <laughs> penny dropper. I would go. I would usually go to the to the bar by myself, and there'd be another guy by himself standing there, and be like, "Hey, man, I'm getting a shot. You want one?" And then that would happen. And that one hootie song like comes on, and he's like, "Hold my hand." <laughs> Is that hootie? I don't know. Wow. Um. Was the was the tap was the nod was the signal like special or was it just like a hey this is shot time? It was pretty much a hey shot. It was pretty <laughs> yeah. much that. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't very. It wasn't sneaky like you know. Um, it wasn't. Like he was given yeah like covert signs. And most of the time, people would would get end up getting like a Patron shot. So they get a, like people were drinking pretty well when they're when they're around me. God, I wish I still had that money. You would be a millionaire. It was, I mean, it was no joke. It was about $100 a night in a bar tab that I was spending. Was that without food? Oh, yeah. This was just straight up like drinking at the bar. It was about $100 a night. Mm -hmm. It was a lot because Seth was the only one with a job at that point. (laughs) So, like, nobody else really had money to like buy other shots, buy shots for like other people. And Seth had just had a fucking long 40 hour work week week and was ready to cut the fuck loose. (laughs) 
So yeah. like those two things met in the middle with like everyone getting shots from Seth. It was extreme. He was like daddy warbucks around us poor college kids. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, much. and my expenses were like car payment and then very little amount of rent. So it was, I mean, and so like I think my total expenses and then phone. So I think my total expenses were probably like at most like 350 a month. And then everything else was take home. So like that, I was... You mean I was, take uh, to the bar? Yeah, take to the bar pretty much. So, and even then I think about it now, like the mo- amount of money I had in the bank, if I had that now, I would be freaking out. But back then I'm like, oh, because it was the most money I'd ever had in the bank at that time. So I'm like, holy fuck, uh-huh. you know, I can... But now if I had that amount of money in the bank, I would be like, oh, I need to start saving. <laughs> So I I, I want to dive a little bit more into the shot situation. Was it like a one-on-one or was it like, mm-hmm. hey, I got a tray full of shots? No, it was usually, it was one-on-one. Okay. It, it was, I would kind of go in like, um, I would go in rotations. And then eventually like people would tap out because they'd be too drunk. So then there's a few friends that would, would um, like continue to go because they, they had a higher tolerance. So like for, for example, uh, our friend Fitz, um, he, he, would, oh, yeah. he, he could go, he could go shot for shot with me. So we, we would we would you know constantly go if if i if i knew that i needed someone to keep taking shots of me when i'd get warm too warm uh he he would be the, he'd be the one i'd call on oh yeah the homie fitz loves loves getting a shot bought for him uh that was i remember that that was fun man we there's a lot of drunk set stories and we have we have time not on this episode but on this podcast in general to tell them all um, but well, we do have actually uh, quite a bit quite a bit of stuff to jump into here uh, what 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 seth before what what? Well, I mean, uh, there there may be a surprise next week that um, we we can maybe get into some more drunk st- uh, stories with a, with an interview. So uh, we'll just, Ooh, we'll just state that we'll is just an inc- a little tease. That is an incredible tease, and uh, and we'll we'll tell folks about that a little bit later on. Um, we got a lot of stuff to review this week. Um, a lot of TV, especially with some some great new stuff that came out. Um, we also are going to get back into We Missed the Boat. Jared and I caught up on a movie that uh, Seth recommended to us, and a couple new uh, Netflix, uh, well, not just Netflix, but a couple new streaming movies uh, to review as well. But before we get into any of that, we got to start with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Um, so, you know, I, I'm glad we didn't talk about it up front, but I, you know, I'm sure everyone's pretty tired of talking about COVID stuff. That's been the news for, you know, a couple months now. So, uh, looking through Iron Sheik's tweets, there, there's a good amount of COVID stuff, but there was one, one, uh, little nugget of, uh, advice in here that, that I think we should all take to heart. Um, of course there, there, there's a lot of games that people use to settle, um, to settle, uh, turns and subtle not debates but like when someone's going to do something like you know either you should do it or i should do it so rock paper scissors is one of those you know that that uh you know should i choose this option or that one okay rock paper scissors um iron chic has a, a the, the perfect way to win rock paper scissors and, and and it goes rock paper scissors go fuck yourself so that that's how you win rock paper scissors <laughs> My favorite part about true. this tweet, though, is that he had a he has a, a an emoji of scissors and an emoji of toilet paper. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think I get the imagery, but I do like the only way to the only way to win the game is to not play. Sometimes that's true. I think that's what the sheik is getting at there. It's a, a subtle a subtle and updated reimagining of a classic colloquialism. 
and uh you know what else can we expect from the sheik you guys you know what i mean i also do i don't want to you know get political or too serious here but i do do enjoy one of his tweet above that um which he tweeted uh that same day which was i wish i could have suplexed the kim jong (laughs) (laughs) oh well well, for the right price he might still be able to (laughs) yikes Let's run quickly in the opposite direction of that landmine and uh, and wrap it up for this week's Chic Tweets. I call you a punk. All right, let's shout out our sponsors. Uh, first of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. <laughs> You got your bass recorder there. Uh, I like it. Let's see, let's see what it's got next here. Um, Mathis Designs. Find our friend Steph on Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Paid. There it is. And, of course, Mike's Wood. Mike is in the new shop now, cranking out tons of new wood. Uh, so head on over to Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. Uh. Oh. There it is. Slow jam in the ad. I like it. I like it. Uh, one more ad here. Let's go to previously recorded Cody and Seth to hear about Anchor. Anchor. There it is. Uh, nice little tag on there at the end, Seth. Very very good uh, addition there. Uh, big shout out to our Anchor contributors, folks. Uh, these are the folks who contribute on a monthly basis to help us improve the show uh, and keep it going. So uh, shout out to Mike V, Jared B. At Jared Buckendall. Uh, KCC and Anna S for being our uh, our current contributors, and uh, we, you know we, we owe you guys a lot. Uh, thank you guys for for helping the show out. If you want to become a contributor, very easy thing to do. Uh, just head on over to that anchor page and uh, and click to contribute on a monthly basis. If you don't want to do that or can't, uh, then just keep clicking on these episodes, keep sharing them with friends, because uh, every click helps the show. So we appreciate y'all. Whew, that's a mouthful, but I got through it. Um, and, uh, before we jump into all of our, (laughs) well, yeah, not untrue, not untrue. (laughs) Um, but, uh, before, before we jump into a bunch of reviews and stuff, let's just chat about what's been going on. We just got off of a, uh, uh, a new episode of J Buck live, which, uh, was over on the YouTubes, uh, yet another fantastic episode. We ranked. Ranked the perfectest movies um, <laughs> out of... Uh, how many did we have in there, Jared? Was it 32? There was 32 movies, yeah. We kind of did like a, what, a bracket breakdown, break it, uh, like kind of a NCAA double or whatever. I can't talk. Um, NCAA? There we go. That's the word. Um, kind of, you know what, we picked 32 movies, uh, some audience suggestions, interactions, and it was there were some tough matchups. There were. I had. I, I won't give anything away because I want to point folks over there to watch it. But um, I had at one point two of my top probably three favorite movies of all time against each other, and uh, having to pick between the two where, where it was very difficult. Yeah. Um, and there was a there was a, a really fun and, and talkative crowd uh, in the chat uh, voting for things. So it was it was a real good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna spoil it, but uh, Cody had to pick between Dude Where's My Car and Shallow Hell. So that was that was a tough one. It was. It was very. It's tough. just unfair. It's unfair. Like it, if if you're asking me to choose between the movies, I'll just, I'm just gonna watch them both anyway. You know what I mean? Maybe even at the same time. So I don't get how you can force me to choose. Yeah. 
between Shallow Hal and Dude Where's My Car. I mean, on the one hand, you have a a a budding superstar uh, in Ashton Kutcher who's just getting ready to explode, you know, onto the scene. And on the other, you have Jack Black in in what I think is probably his most dramatic performance, um, <laughs> and Gwyneth and Gwyneth Paltrow doing I, probably the most prestigious work of her career. I would say also um, with Jason Alexander and his tale. Um, <laughs> let's be honest, guys. It was a snub. Okay, when we talk about Oscars for supporting actor that year, that was one of the all-time snubs. So no, that, that was a nub, know. not snub. You know a dangerously <laughs> specific amount about that movie. Shallow Hell? Uh, the tail and all of that? Is it, Jason Alexander's great, nub? That's the best. No, a, a casual yeah. fan would not know that. Oh, come on. Well, I'm not... Jared, when the fuck? What the, when the fuck have I ever been casual? I'm not a casual fan of anything. I'm an extreme fan of all things. Extreme <laughs> fan. And, and, and one Cody of those knows, things is shallow hell. Cody Give me knows, what I want. Cody knows all 102 minutes of that runtime, frame by frame. <laughs> I do. I really do. But yeah, it wow. was a it was a it was a very fun show. Very uh, I, I don't know. We'll probably do that format in the future. But yeah, should, I don't know. Uh, What's up? I was thinking. I was thinking, um, pro- like, uh, probably do less movies in it, but like comedies. I think comedies would be a fun one because, mm-hmm. like, comedy is so subjective. And I, I mean, movies in general are extremely subjective, but um, comedies are even more so. And I think that would be a fun debate within the chat of like the best comedies of all time. You could just throw up. I mean, you could probably you could even do. I don't want to throw up. <laughs> I'm, I'll throw up. You, you could just throw in there 32 movie, 32 comedy movies, and and not even just go in there and be like, I'm not even going to rank these. I'm just putting these two movies up against each other and go at it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is I threw all of it together in uh, very last minute. So like there was numbers next to the movies that didn't mean anything. Like it, it, I wasn't sitting there going through the specifics like seating at each movie and whatnot. It was just. That was the way that they showed up after I put them into this random uh, bracket generator. But no, it was mm-hmm. fun, and that's the thing is, at first I thought maybe 16 movies, but I was like, ah, oh, that's not enough. Like, it was it was tough to break it down to 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think comedies would be a, a really fun one, because people in the chat would probably be putting favorite, their favorite jokes from the movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, and again, uh, listeners, you know, J-Buck Live, it's kind of a... Weird movie news, shenanigan filled. I mean, there's not much in movie news, as you guys know. Um, it's just a weird kind of mis- mishmash of uh, stuff. What and- I'll add about JB Live that that's fun that um, that has been a surprise to me, but a really fun one is the the people that that are that participate in the chat on JB Live are. It's a lot of uh, friends you've made through the YouTube community who are really into film. And so it's a really fun place uh, to just chat movies and debate movies with with those folks. So it's a really cool little community um, over there too. It's been super super fun. Just I just love dicking around in the chat over there. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, you you guys showing up every week that obviously is a huge help, and you don't understand how uh, grateful I am for that. But yeah, like you said, it's. I mean, you can find people that are very toxic when it comes to movie opinions and whatnot, but I think that the small group of people that run over there, it's like, you know, we might say something, but we're all going to, like, laugh and joke and be friends at the end of it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. That was that was a ton of fun. I was... Uh, we were just talking before the show about, about how that was a good time, and and other brackets that we're going to have to run through on the show. So if you haven't checked out J Buck Live yet, 
uh, Tuesday nights at uh, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, and uh, great, great way to spend uh, part of your Tuesday evening. So head on over and check that out. Or check out the replays of that available on YouTube now. Uh, so that you can uh, watch the definitive ranking of the perfectest movies uh, of all time. While I while I didn't agree with what we ended up choosing as my favorite, uh, I, I think that it's a, a worthwhile choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but there was there was some heartbreakers in there, including a, a round one matchup. I won't say who won, but one of the round one matchups was Spider Man Into the Spider Verse against Rocky, and uh, that was that was one of the tough matchups. <laughs> That should have been like that should have been like one of on the here. final four, right? <laughs> it was uh, it was a tough one. There was a lot of good ones though. But um, but uh, what else is going on with you guys this week? What's on your mind? I'll uh, I'll bring up. I I don't know if I brought it up on the show. I don't know if we have or not. Um, I got reminded of a, a, a crazy like. Remember back in the early two thousands when reality shows really started taking off and they were just trying out anything. Um, any reality show they can think of, and they're still doing that now, but, like, back then it was, like, the craziest weird ideas. Um, do you guys remember Amish in the City? Maybe. No. Was that on Fox? It was on UPN. Okay, So we no. haven't talked about this. No. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what the fuck I talk about anymore, so I, I don't know if we, <laughs> we talked about it. Um, Amish in the City was a reality show on UPN, which became uh, the, the uh, CW, where... They took people, uh, Amish kids. I th- let me see how many it is. Um, I think I have the number here. Six. Um, they took oh five Amish teenagers um, who were on Rumspringa, uh-huh. and put them into a house like a reality show with six non uh, Amish people, and basically threw them into American culture, but on a reality show. So they put them in like crazy you know partying situations and things like that and then at the end they let me double check if i remember um were these like what what was the age group for these type of these kids or adults or whatever well rumspringa i love that um they're they're teenagers uh so i think i think rumspringa is like 18 16 or 18 18 years old yeah 18 years old and then at the end, they would decide whether or not, just like Rumspringa, they would go back to, um, like, return or not. So, like, that was the whole thing. At the end of the show, they would, like, reveal whether or not they were going to go back to be Amish or not Amish. <laughs> and they would, I mean, because it's a reality show. So, I, I guess I can read, um, I can read off what they chose to do. Looks like none of them, so they followed up with them all afterwards and only one person returned and is stuck being amish um wait what do you mean you're stuck being amish <laughs> they stuck with being amish the oh, rest okay. all the rest either return like returned and then quit or didn't return at all um but they would like you know put them in fucking situations where it was like and that's probably why most of them didn't return to being amish is because they like would let them party and TV, like have dude. sex and do drugs like that type of shit it was like very exploitative <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, I brought up, up to do to a teenager. 
Yeah, I brought up like the cast photo and it's like, yeah, over on the right, they're all like, you know, proper wearing what, you know, you a, a typical Amish person would. But then like you scroll over to the left where the edgy popular people are, they're just wearing filthy early 2000s. Like you could see how these Amish were turned by these people just just by looking at what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. Well, then like. <laughs> There's, because, like, and, and you think about, like, because, you know, reality shows have gotten crazy. Um, there, I mean, there's even, like, TLC, I think, is the, the, the definition of crazy reality shows. Like, that's where you go to see crazy reality shows. Like, uh, there's a reality show with, like, two girls who are, like, over 600 pounds, and it's about them, like, about them dating and, and um, just being, being fat together, essentially. <laughs> Uh, like th- th- this real the the level of reality show is it- it's crazy to me. Um, also though, I did see that with with these. Uh, hopefully we can. Hopefully I can. I'm gonna send this to you guys. You guys. You guys. Uh, you guys talk. But there's a guy on this uh, reality show um, with a thousand pound. I think it's like a thousand pound sisters or something like that. It's the name of the show. Uh, the guy. He is a. He's the boyfriend of one of the girls. He looks like exactly like what Frozone would look like in real life. what no way i'll send it to you um kind of uh i mean seth like you're saying there's all these ridiculous uh reality shows i mean i remember growing like after school i don't know what we we were maybe like teenagers like it was mtv or vh1 for like a block of time of like next or room raiders Mm -hmm. and stuff like that oh yes I loved the. I would watch that. I was probably like fourteen. Yeah. When I feel like those shows really peaked in popularity, and I that was when I was like, I'm an edgy, cool teenager. I'm gonna watch MTV, and it was that's what it was. It was Next, Room Raiders, Pit My Ride was in there somewhere. Yep. And I yep. want to say for some amount of time, Yo Mama was on there. You could watch all afternoon. You could just watch MTV, and it was fucking awesome. Um. So the picture is hopefully on its way to you now. All right. I'll be the judge of this. This is Frozone. We're looking for here. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. I'll send you a picture. Yo! Fucking, where's my super suit? <laughs> I'll send you a picture of Frozone for comparison. Too. He looks a lot, because he's got a really, like, skinny and long face. Yeah, yeah and long that's, like, face. Well, the facial hair is perfect, yeah. and the teeth are perfect. I mean, everything is... Oh, my God, he does have a tooth gap. Wow. There's Frozone. You should have that, too. Oh, my God. It is uncanny. (laughs) That that is him. Holy shit. (laughs) Wait, wait. That is fucking him, dude. He's even both. It's one thing to look... It's one thing to look that like have just to have the bone structure to pull this off, and then all the grooming he did the exact same way. Are you shitting me? <laughs> wow! With my super suit. <laughs> These cell phones are gonna drive people fucking crazy. Oh, man. Wow. wow. But that's a that's a different show. That's not the Amish show. That's that's no. the uh, no. That's a th- or whatever I think it's the called. <laughs> what was it? Big old sister. <laughs> uh, 
A Thousand Pound Sisters, I think, is the name of the show. Okay. Okay. Was 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 the early two thousands around the same time that like Joe Millionaire was coming out? Joe Millionaire. I think Joe I, Millionaire. Was that was that the Do one where they faked isn't it him the out Bachelor? The yeah, no, I they think, fa- the fake out is he's not rich. Yeah, they, they tell yeah, it's like the Bachelor, but instead they say at the yeah. end he's not rich, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Joe Schmo show is the one I was obsessed with. Um, that's where yeah. they faked him out the entire time. Where where one guy, Matt Kennedy Gould, uh, I own that. I actually own that show on DVD. I love that show so much. Um, that had um, we've seen one of the host of that show, uh, Ralph Garman. We saw live. He was the host of that. Um, and then oh, Chris, yeah. Kristen Wiig was her first televised yeah, thing Wig. as well. Um, if you have never seen the Joe Schmo show, actually watch it because it is actually super interesting and well done and funny. Um, there, there's a lot of people. Um, uh, uh, there's a guy on there who was in the office. Uh, he played the the karate instructor for in I think in the first season uh, where uh, Dwight and Michael beat beat each other up in the quad uh, the karate studio. I don't know if you remember that episode, um, but like actual actors were on that show and. Uh, like I said, Kristen Wiig. So that that's a great show, actually. Great reality show. It's funny that that came up because um, I was thinking about that. Someone, someone I don't remember who, some someone on my Instagram, someone famous, had posted that they were rewatching it, and there was like a bunch of people that jumped on. And were like, "Yeah, me too." Watch, rewatching it like now. Mm-hmm. So you're right. There is a there is a following. It's got eight point two on IMDb, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is interesting. Did you watch the the? It looks like there was three seasons. Did yeah, you watch I watched all two three. or three. Yeah, I watched all three. I think Ralph Garman was on all three. Um, which, is, like, even back then, I was a fan. I was a fan of his before Kevin Smith because I liked him on that show. Um, mm-hmm. And then years later, I, I uh, you know, as fans of Kev- a fan of Kevin Smith, and then he started the podcast with Ralph Garman, Hollywood Babylon, that we went and saw. And I was like, oh shit, I know both those guys. And then, you know, became a fan of them more through that. But um, yeah, he like that that whole show. Like, because a lot of them are improv actors, they lived. They lived with him, and like they were, you know, it's like it was a fake reality show, and they were doing imp- like real life improv, trying to stay in character, but also like feeling bad because this guy was being tricked and like trying to confide in them. Like, it's 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 a really cool so- uh, social experiment. One of the first ones like that. Um, and, and when you get to the end, it's it's really it's really interesting. Uh, if you can watch that anywhere, one hundred percent do it because it's it's really good. Yeah, this looks fun. I remember, I remember seeing all the ads for this back in '03. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, '03 and '04 they did season two, and then '14 is when they did season three. Yeah, this is a huge break. Um, maybe Garmin did, but there was hella three, ads. But... There was a lot of ads about it too. Um, I remember seeing it all over. I never watched it myself, but it's something I, I. Uh, it's interesting. I, I would be interesting to to check it out. But yeah, man, fake reality show from I don't know how reality shows came up, but there's some gems like yo uh, honestly yo mama was like my favorite show on tv for like a while <laughs> um so i again i'm trying to google search and find some weird stuff this isn't early 2000s but this this was 2015 a german reality show called sperm race <laughs> i'm gonna what do you guys oh, think yeah. this show is about i think it's about do you know <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's um they're trying to. They're, it's women trying to win the right to use that guy's sperm for their baby. Uh, something like, uh, kind of like. Uh, so apparently, it features twelve men donating sperm in hopes that their little swimmers would reach an egg first. So whoever 
gets their stuff taken from the donation center first gets a Porsche. <laughs> what? <laughs> I bet the oh, finale man. I bet the finale of the show is like the winner gets into his uh his Porsche or her Porsche, whoever wins. Uh, I don't know if it's a girl or a guy who wins. Um and and they, they get onto the Autobahn and they're going like hundred and fifty <laughs> miles an hour down that fucking road and that's how like they freeze frame at the end with a fist out the window. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the winner should get a Porsche, but they dumped the sperm into the passenger seat. That's the Porsche. Oh, all the all the unused ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gross. That's really gross. I don't want to think about that at all. It's funny oh, though, because like over the last uh, you know probably year or two, I've been getting back into like random, re- especially Netflix, because Netflix is doing a great job in their reality shows lately, um, and mm-hmm. so I. I've been kind of getting back more into them because, I mean, I've always been a fan of Big Brother, which, uh, you know, is 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 truly a competition show. I mean, it's human chess, but yeah, I guess you can oh, call wow. it. Oh, wow. Here we you, go. You can, you, can, you can call it a reality show if you'd like, but, yeah. you know. You're, well, it's, the you're, one, it's the one show on TV without producers interfering. Yeah, it is. Tr- it truly is pure competition. It is. It's pure competition. You can suck my balls. Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling's not fair. <laughs> I gave up on that battle like two years ago, so I, you know I, I'm going to keep the Big Brother one going. Um, I uh, one of the things that I've been watching lately that I know you guys have seen too, uh, str- changing from the reality TV um, subject though. Um, Saturday Night Live. Uh, they've been, they've done a couple episodes during the quarantine. SNL at home. And uh, they've been putting out sort of, you know, uh, home filmed, like the actors themselves are filming themselves most of the time, putting sketches together and, and different things. Um, what's your guys' take on this, Ben? Do you, do you just like that they've put the effort in? Does it matter if it's good? But, but then also, is it good? Like, are you enjoying the show? Seth, you want to go first? Uh, I mean, I can. I, I don't have much to speak on about it because ha- I've watched uh, clips here and there. I haven't really... Watch sat down and watched the whole thing. Uh, I think I watched more of the first one, um, which was, you know, it, there were some funny things, but overall it just, you know, wasn't SNL. And, and then this most recent one I saw, I think I only, I think I only watched one sketch, which was the, the what's up with that one, um, mm-hmm. which that, that, uh, that I enjoyed because that was, that was, they were still able to do that without like, like it kept, it kept the entire structure of it because they were able to like edit in things like Jason Sudeikis, like that type of thing, which still made me laugh pretty mm-hmm. hard. Um, and that, that sketch was kind of getting stale anyway. You know, they, they, they haven't done it in quite a while. So it was kind of fun that they brought it back for this, this situation. But otherwise, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of getting to the point where where I... And I... We'll see with this, because this coming week they're doing the Parks and Rec episode. That That's all going to be quarantine. Like, they filmed it, like, all, them in character as like Leslie Nope and stuff, but in quarantine and, and that type of thing. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm kind of getting to the point where it's like, you know, it's it's nice that they're doing this, and I get why they're doing it. But I kind of just am like okay with them not doing it anymore. You, you know, like mm-hmm. these these special quarantine things. Like at first, it was nice because it felt like, um, you know, we're all in this together, and and you know, like you know, we we want to have some sort of entertainment, but at the same time, there's still a lot of entertainment out there, and a lot of, like, 
I've gotten to the point where I'm watching like podcasts, like video podcasts, where they're still doing the same podcast they've been doing because it feels normal. It feels if it's, it still feels like normal. That's what I'm looking for. I think right now more than anything else is like I want to watch stuff that's normal. Like everything feels mm-hmm. normal. And this SNL at home, or we'll see how this Parks and Rec thing does, or these specials that like Lady Gaga is doing, or the Tonight Show stuff. None of that feels normal. So I don't really want to watch that. I want to watch stuff that is what I was watching two months ago that, you know, was was recorded in <laughs> normal times. Yeah. 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 That Seth, made, you're bringing up a lot. Yeah. Seth, you're kind of bringing up a lot of things that uh, I, th- th- you, you, you made me realize that that's how I feel about it. Um, I, I've only watched kind of a, a decent portion of the first one um none of them were too memorable i mean there was kind of that tiktok one there was the zoom one but i haven't watched anything of the second one i don't know it's i like that they're putting the effort in they're trying to you know keep everyone in high spirits and whatnot but also it's a thing where saturday night live there's something special about it because it's it's like live you know every time you see someone maybe crack or break or something like that that's that's kind of the essence of it, um, and I don't want to discount anything that they're doing, but they're they're making YouTube videos. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, again, we 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 don't have the writing staff and stuff like that, but we we could put that show together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, you guys pretty much summed up what I was thinking. I I think I think the sketches are fine. I, I that that's not even part of it for me. Like. It hits. I think it hits at about the same rate SNL typically hits. Um, but I agree with you. It is really distracting that it's not SNL, and I love the live aspect of it. And when a crowd jumps, really, you know, is really into it and stuff, is super fun. And having the host there live, it it, it doesn't feel like it. So I'm I'm glad to have the content. But I'm with you guys. Like I wouldn't be upset if they didn't do it. You know? So here here's um here's kind of like where I'm drawing the line i guess where where i'm saying that so like snl when they're because it's a normal like we're used to sorry hit the mic we're used to a normal thing with snl the live show right and when they're doing this they're doing this at home it's not normal it feels weird but like something like john krasinski he's doing this the the some good news thing those videos and i love watching those every week even though it's like based around the quarantine and covid and all that stuff um it's something new that was created during this, and it feels like it doesn't feel like it, didn't it had exist to shift. Before. Exactly, it didn't have to like shift. It didn't it, like this was all created organically through that, and so it doesn't feel weird. It feel it that to me like when I watch that, I like tear up every single time I watch it because it feels like that feels like we're all in this together. This feels like this was created for this for us. Whereas like the mm-hmm. SNL thing is purposely feeling like this is different. Like this feels too different than what is normally going on. And it's weird because like the, some good news thing wouldn't exist without the COVID stuff, but it still feels like that was an organic, like here's to help you feel better. Whereas the SNL thing is like, here's something that we're trying to help you feel better, but it's so different and weird. Like we're just doing it to like, just to do it. You know, I, it, I don't know. It's, it's like a weird line for me. The, Certain the, thing, mm-hmm. Yeah. The way that you're kind of talking about it, it, it's this weird thing where now when I watch it, I'm like, reminded almost that there's weird things in this world where I should mm-hmm. be distracted by it. Right. Because you you expect to see like Kate McKinnon up on a stage doing something, but you're not. You're seeing her do some weird video. And it's not what you're mm-hmm. used to seeing. And so it reminds you like, oh shit, some weird shit's going on. But like for me with the some good news thing, 
yes, I know, like they're they're purposely they're purposely addressing the COVID stuff without doing like they're trying to spread happiness and like good good things, and so it's clear like it's clear that that we're all in this COVID thing, but they're trying to do it in a way that is like again like things are going to be okay, things are good mm-hmm. things are still happening. We're again we're all in this together, so it's just like a weird it's a weird line it's a weird weird thing. And I'm just I'm I'm avoiding certain things like the SNL stuff, whereas like I'm looking for other things that I know are going to make me happy or, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It's it's the so the idea what I'm hearing is that because it's new and you've only seen it in this form, it doesn't seem as weird as I I know what SNL is supposed to look like and I know this isn't that. And so Mm -hmm. that's upsetting. Right. I I think this often. with uh so you know how they'll um they'll take a movie that exists and then they'll write it uh they'll buy it and then they'll change it a little bit and make it a sequel of another movie you've heard of them doing this like clover the cloverfield movies are like this Mm -hmm. um um i that has always bothered me and just the general idea that something has to be a sequel of something else so like always right like um there's talk of like and this is this is a little bit data, but like, let's have a female James Bond. Right. And it's like, no, don't do a female James Bond because I know what James Bond is supposed to in quotes look like. And that's not that that's going to seem like you just fucked up the formula that exists. But if I just took an entirely new female action star, a la atomic blonde, that's awesome and perfectly acceptable and seems new and fresh. Uh, rather than you just reminding me that I'm not watching James Bond this whole time. It's so that maybe maybe that seems like a leap from the but I think it's similar in that if something is completely new, you're more willing to accept it than if you know it's a different version of something that you already are familiar with. Yeah. Man, we're going I, yeah. deep here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's probably it, some it, probably some psychology weird. in that. It's all it's all very weird. Um cuz like with the going back real quick to the the John Krasinski thing, um, it, it's going to be fun when he does the last episode of that because when he does the last episode of that, this shit will be done. So I'm excited for the last episode of it. Um, but like at the same time, it's something I look forward to to watch. Like I know I'm going to feel good watching it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> this is my just messed up brain. I'm like, he's going to get more seasons of that than The Office and then he's going <laughs> to get royalties and oh God. Be the biggest name in fucking YouTube. What, whatever, what, whatever we'll be calling Hollywood. Then, yeah, I guess yeah. YouTube would be a proper place to start. Be the biggest name ever on uh, on YouTube. Be John Krasinski's fucking some good news. That'd be funny. It wouldn't be funny that we ended up there because that would mean terrible shit has gone on for a long time. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, that's when we're fighting off cool. radioactive rats. Yeah, yeah. It it is. I do agree. It is. It is uplifting to see some of that stuff get put out and. And uh, you have to appreciate the effort. Uh, one thing I will say for the SNL folks is they've gotten really creative with their editing and with some of the staging and costuming that they've had to do at home. The the photos that interlude between that they always have on every show, those are always really creative photos, but these are like at-home versions of really creative photos. So those have been kind of cool. Um, so they're, they're like, besides the talent, their staff has done an incredible job of putting that shit together. And I have, I have appreciation for when they can do all of that in this stripped down mode. Um, and really anyone who's making an effort to put good shit out into the world right now deserves applause. So, oh, you know, yes. I, I will definitely it's nice, say it's nice that it, people are doing that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely great that they're doing that because it is tough to get your mind into, I'm assuming, any sort of creative uh, situation Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I do have to thank uh, the, the, the virus for creating the Scrubs podcast, which is making me very happy lately. (laughs) <laughs> I have a second on that. My girlfriend Gina has started listening to it and loves it. Uh, and she's, she, she'll, I know when she's been listening to it cause she'll come home and roll her eyes at me after I say something because, uh, the two guys remind her of, of Seth and I, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Oh God, you sound just like him. I don't remember what it, what it was most recently, but that happens. No, uh, there's, there's a million times an episode where I think about texting you that, like this, this guy or this guy did that. <laughs> like you know, uh, Donald Faison yeah. or Zach did that. And I'm like, oh, that's us. She said, she said something. It was like Donald Faison loves. She's like, oh my god, babe, Star Wars. Donald Faison loves. That's what it was. He loves Star Wars and white women. You guys are just alike. Yep. <laughs> I was gonna text you that exact thing. <laughs> I was like, shit, you got me pegged. That's uh, those are things I like. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's uh, what that what's that one called again? I know you plugged it before uh, on the show. Fake doctors, real friends. I play. I had the theme song played uh, on, and it's I, yeah. I sing it at work because um, it's it's so <laughs> fucking fun. It's just like with I've ta- I think I've talked about it here. Like the Conan podcast on Mondays makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. It, like puts me in a, a mood immediately when I listen to it. Like a good mood. Um, same thing with this on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I listen to the that podcast and it immediately makes me happy. Hmm. Hmm. Man, I might have to try that one. That sounds fun. I've been I, I like Conan also, but I've been burning through the episodes too early in the week now, so I need some more stuff. Um, <laughs> so that'll be one of them. That'll be one of them. So I don't know. We I mean, obviously we have the we miss the boat coming up, but I I've I've mentioned on a couple podcasts. It's like oh, go back and watch things that you've maybe missed or kind of holes in your viewing pleasure. Um, so I w- I I was assigned to watch I guess the animated movie a two thousand one a Treasure Planet. Have either of you guys ever seen this movie? Mm-mm. It's so, been a long time, but yeah. Yeah, see, it's one of those that I I don't know. I feel like the visuals or something about it just completely did not land with me. But I'm so fam- like ev- I watched it last night and everything I've seen in it. I'm like, oh, I've, I, I haven't seen this movie, but I, I was very much aware of it, and it was kind of a mix of like the two day, two D animation. Then they kind of throw in these like weird three D elements, but it's almost like, is there, are there movies that you maybe watch way later in your life, and you're like, how did I never watch this? Like this, this kind of checks all of the boxes for me at that age because what 2011 or 2001. I would have been 11 that like everything in the movie hit me perfectly where it's kind of like this uh, rebellious kid and he's going on this adventure and this and that and sci-fi elements. I don't know. It's sometimes it's just weird to kind of think about that. It's weird to think about the movies that made their way to you when it wasn't up to you what movies you saw. You know, yeah. like when when you're that young, you're not picking your own movies. So like even if you so my example of this is. Um, and I never saw this one. Um, uh, Atlantis. Yes. That's another one. Yeah. I never saw that. That's a movie I was fucking ready to see. Like when it was coming out, I was like, Oh my God, this, I was really into science at the time. And main character is a scientist. You're like, Holy shit. And, um, 
And I was like, I'm going to definitely see Atlantis. And then for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. My parents didn't take me. I never caught it on DVD. So fucking 15 to 20 years later, <laughs> I've still, yeah, I was like, I want to, I want to see Atlantis. So they took me to the theater. And then instead of going to that, we went to fucking something else instead. Blair and Witch they Project. laughed at me. Yeah, I went to Blair Witch Project. Yeah. You know what? I think it might be my parents' fault that I have mental problems. <laughs> um, well, is it yeah, just... that I I still have never seen it, but... Uh, that's got to be pretty nice though, right? To go back and, because obviously everyone knows the, the, like I'll put in air quotes, the classic animated Disney movies, but Treasure Planet is one that gets skipped over a lot. Yeah. And, and I'm actually surprised you said Atlantis. Cause again, that's one that I didn't watch, but it came out in 2001. And I think that it has a mixture of that 2d and 3d animation where mm-hmm. was there just like an era of movies that we just never watched? It kind of seems that way because that style of animation came and went really quickly. Yeah. And so it wouldn't surprise me to know that like if both those movies performed really poorly, Disney might have just completely scrapped that animation style and said we're not doing that because of those two movies coming out that close. I don't know how they did, um, but they're certainly not as successful as like the Pixar stuff that came before and after, right? Yeah, So it it wouldn't surprise me if they performed poorly and they changed because, because of that. Because yeah, those were really similarly looking if I remember right, they look pretty similar. Oh, yeah. To- and that's the thing is yeah. like uh, watching it last night, like Treasure Planet. I'm like, oh, when, when's the main guy with the glasses? And then now that you say <laughs> it, that's Atlantis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, those are classic. And we can get all those on uh, on Disney Plus now. I, I, I really should get I really should watch Atlantis. That would be a nice that would be a nice thing for for me to experience. <laughs> Think how like, lo- different the- your life could be. Really? It's honestly like the it's the one movie in my life that I'm like that there was a time when I was like I must have this movie fucking today. And and to have never seen it and had that feeling completely go away. I think I'm pretty sure that's the only time that that's happened. What um, was it was it because they had like kick-ass trailers or there was like toys at Burger King toys. or something? McDonald's. I remember McDonald's. The, I, rem- I remember the the Happy Meal toys for Atlantis. Um I never saw the movie, but I remember the the Happy Meal toys because uh, I knew about that movie. Like that movie was like in my, you know, in my, you know, I guess sight line. I, like it was something I was aware of and like like heavily because I would get fucking fast food every Friday. So I, <laughs> I, I knew about that, about that movie like hardcore, but I never saw it because we didn't go to movies. And then uh, like in the theater, my parents never took me to actual movies and stuff. And so, um. It, it just passed by and then i think i don't think it ever got i don't think it got reviewed super well and so by the time it came out on like vhs and stuff it kind of just passed by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think i played a video game that had to do with it uh, and that got me really into it or some something like that maybe i've got a, like an online game you could play or something um but i was a huge fan of atlantis for someone who never fucking saw the movie <laughs> man it's those toys so Treasure Planet holds up, are you saying? I don't remember if you said. Did you, um, did you well, enjoy I, I it, watched uh, I watched Muppet Treasure Island and then Treasure Planet back to back. And I mean, the stories no. are very similar. Um, what's up? <laughs> Muppet. <laughs> what, Muppet Treasure Island? Muppet Treasure Island was the first movie I can consciously remember going to in a theater. No shit. And, and uh, I didn't. I, I we left early because I was like crying or fussy or whatever. Um, but I didn't st- we didn't stay for the whole thing. 
but I, I conscious I can remember being in theater two in Olwine seeing that movie. Oh my god! Uh, very very young, and I, I think I was crying. I, I don't know why, um, but my mom was very upset and we left. And that's probably why we didn't go to movies together after that. <laughs> that's why you didn't get to go to Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you blew it on Muppet Treasure Island. I did. I can't believe you. I honestly, like 100%, I thought about that like today or yesterday. Or it probably could have been last week. I don't fucking know what day it is anymore. But um, I've, I've thought about that very recently, too. Weird. <laughs> I don't like <That's>... this. <laughs> I'll do you one better. Um, earlier, when you brought up the Joe Schmoso, I was already thinking in my head, oh, I should bring up the Joe Schmoso. Um, <laughs> and then you started talking. So that something's out there. Something's in the air right now. People's thoughts are passing along the airwaves. It's COVID. Yeah, I hope not. Um, <laughs> man. All right. Well, uh, we, we got to get into the shit we said that we would do. Uh, so I figure we better we better cruise on through. But uh, I I you you keep reminding me, Jared, of of finding old stuff on D plus, and I want to get on there and and do some of that because I really haven't. The only nostalgic thing I've gone back to was like Spider Man, the animated series, and yeah. that was super rewarding. Yeah, I. But there's a lot uh, of stuff out there to explore. With again, this this last month has felt like three decades. Um, so I've dabbled in it because. Ever since The Mandalorian, I didn't even open the app. I completely forgot I had it. Um, so I, dab- I I messed around with uh, the you know animated Spider-Man. But if you go to the movies and just A to Z, you will find some stuff that just punches you with the nostalgic punch in the face. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got to get some of that sweet, sweet nostalgia. Go knuckle deep in the nostalgia. Oh. Ooh, soups deep in the <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> oh that's nasty oh i heard a gulp i don't want to hear that um <laughs> all right let's review some stuff we got to jump into the tv corner television down on the corner nobody puts baby in the corner it's a tv and- pentagon this week five this is this a record seth have we ever had five yeah i don't know i know personally i have four so i have at least a room and then yeah i think we have an additional show so yeah it might, it might be a record Oops. Yeah, we got some good stuff here. Um, let's start. I'm ordering these in my head right now. Um, let's start with you, Seth. Um, we've got a Netflix series uh, that was released uh, with a couple of our favorite uh, young actors off of the It franchise uh, doing their mm. thing on Netflix here. I honestly, it, I didn't know where you were going with it until you, you mentioned the, the It franchise. So um, <laughs> I watched too many TV. Too many TVs. Um, yeah, I'm not okay with this. Uh, I'll be brief on it because it's a pretty short show. It's, um, I think, seven or eight episodes. The longest episode, I think, is like 23 minutes, and then there's a few, like two or three in there that are like 19. So it's like a really quick watch. Uh, I think it's seven episodes. Um, Sophia Lillis, and then uh, she plays the lead in it. Um, and then the guy who played Stan on um, It... Uh, which subsequently plays Stan in this show. The character's name is also Stan, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, Wyatt, Wyatt Olaf, I guess this guy's name. Um, uh, Sophia Lewis plays Sydney. Um, Wyatt, Wyatt Olaf, like I mentioned, plays Stanley. And then the other lead in this, Sophia Bryant, 
plays the best friend of Sophia Lillis's character. Uh, her name's Dina. Basically, what the show is: Sophia Lillis has dealt uh, her her father's passed away uh, unexpectedly. They kind of get into more of what happens there uh, later on in the show, uh, but she discovers that she has um, some sort of telekinetic powers. Um, uh, kind of is triggered when she is angry or um, uh, embarrassed or. Um, has like some sort of heightened sense of sense of emotion, and uh, she's kind of a weird, weird kid. Like she's she's not like um, weird and like no one likes her type thing because Dina like she has friends and things like that, and Stanley is inter- uh, interested in her, um, like in you know romantically and stuff. But she's kind of just like she's not like popular. Um, she and then like the whole th- like uh, with her father passing away, people are kind of distant and things like that. So. Um, but kind of a loner, I guess, is probably more more uh, apt. But um, really, I mean, the show is it deals about like her discovering like what's going on with her, um, you know, with, with with these these powers that she's discovering. Um, also dealing with the, the death of her dad, and then like also dealing with um, the relationship with with uh, Stan, and then also with with Dina, and and it does deal with like. Uh, uh, exploring like sexuality type things in there too, which is kind of interesting. Like um, she's not sure what she is in terms of like um, straight, you know, uh, by whatever it might, might be. So that's kind of an interesting aspect of it as well. And then it deals with like the typical high school stuff, like, you know, people, uh, what um, you know, picking on being picked on or um, people, uh, I guess, dealing with, uh, I mean, because it, it, it does even do it does do some of the stereotypical things like, you know, homecoming dances and things like that. But it's all done in a it's done in an adult way. It's a very I mean, it's a mature show. Um, there's some some gory things that happen. There's a lot of language in there. Um, talks about sexual stuff as well. So it's not like a show meant for kids. It's done in a serious way. It's not like a, if you see the trailer for it. Um, I think, and even in terms of producing and things, there's people who were involved with Stranger Things with the show, but it doesn't really have a Stranger Things vibe to it. It has kind of its own vibe. It doesn't have an it vibe either. Like that was the thing I was most afraid of going into it. And I think we talked about it, Cody, before um, when the show started. Like there was trailers coming out where the, where mm-hmm. we're like, oh, you know, because I thought I was just gonna skip it, where because because I was like, oh, it's probably just a Stranger Things ripoff. Um, but then I heard a lot of good things about it. So I revisited it, uh, came back around to it, and and um, I did really really enjoy the show. Again, quick, easy watch. It's it's funny at times, it's dramatic at times. Uh, it's it's an interesting show. It, it, I think it, with being so short, they pack a lot in. It's based off a graphic novel as well, so it's got like source material to it as well. Um, I liked it quite a bit, and I think where they leave off with with the first season, it's going to go some really cool places with season two. So um, I would one hundred percent recommend it. I think. Another concern you brought up, um, Cody, is is Sophia Lillis and kind of she's played some similar characters and some things. Um, but I think I've seen a lot out of her between this and it and Sharp Objects, where she can play a lot of different characters. Uh, she's a really good actress. I'm I'm really impressed, especially with what she did in this this show, dealing with stuff with her dad and and that type of thing. So definitely would recommend this show. Super quick watch. Um, I think I mean total would probably be. Um, maybe like three three and a half hours between all the episodes so it's you know like you're watching the irishman i guess um (laughs) (laughs) but it moves it moves very quick um and it's a show that i kept wanting to like an episode at end i want to keep going type of thing so um would definitely recommend this show if you're into sort any sort of like 
maybe superpower type shows or like a high school type show, but it doesn't have the same melodrama of like a high school show. It's it's taken, it's it it, it takes a vibe of like you know like that that this like superhero origin show, but not a superhero. She's not like it has that same feeling. She's discovering kind of who she is type of thing. So um, I liked it a lot. This is interesting. Yeah, I it, like you said, we uh, I, I had a couple concerns going into this, but glad to hear that you enjoyed this. And I certainly love a quick watch, and I've actually got this in my Netflix queue already. But um, glad to hear, too, uh, especially about the young actors in this. Wyatt Olaf, by the way, if you guys didn't know, uh, young Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. Um, plays, plays a kid. Uh, I found that out when I was looking him up, probably to have a conversation with Seth about, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not okay with this. But it's interesting, uh, a run on these sort of, these sort of uh, edgy teen coming of age, right? We had End of the Fucking World recently. Um, there's like uh, sex education. So it kind of seems like that genre has made, made something of a comeback, especially where they can have them be cussing and things. Mm-hmm. All right, I will, uh, I'll go next here. And this is a show that only I've seen uh, from Apple TV+, Plus, which I very begrudgingly... Um, streamed I, i'm very anti-apple uh, as as my close friends know but i i did use their service uh, to watch the morning show which i was very excited to see uh jennifer aniston reese witherspoon mark duplass there's a hundred stars in this they're fucking everywhere on this um but uh the general <clears throat> setup of the show it's essentially the today show but they have their the morning show uh, so they're the biggest morning news show in the country. Uh, they're all celebrity anchors, super wealthy and stuff. Uh, big network boss that they work for. And uh, Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston are the two hosts, the Matt Lauer and Katie Couric, uh, sort of adjacent people. And then it comes out that Steve Carell's character has been engaged in some inappropriate um, sexual encounters and things uh, at his office and they're forced to fire him. That's how the show opens. So season one of The Morning Show, which is what is out now, is essentially of all the fallout that happens after he is fired and accused of uh, the sexual misconduct. And what's really interesting about it, I think, is that you get to see kind of every different angle of that situation play out. So in addition to Carell's situation, you've got... um, You've got some consensual workplace relationships. You've got some other relationships that seem that seem questionable. You're like, well, is that a good one or is that not? And what's really interesting is you have um, like every different opinion you hear, even the shitty ones. Uh, like one of them is like, oh, if if a woman if a woman uh, is sleeping with someone above her at her office, it must mean that she's trying to advance in her career. They look at that angle. They look at the angle of someone who um, uh, had an encounter where one person sees it one way that's perfectly fine and the other person has a different opinion of the same encounter and, and they didn't see it as so fine. You have um, situations where where the company is is a bad guy and other situations where they're a good guy. So the the show while it's while it's coming at the issue in general, I think of, of like sexuality in the workplace, um, it doesn't necessarily take just one side. It just shows you a lot of different stories in a way that I really appreciate. The acting in this is a plus. Uh, everyone in here, um, uh, I hope I'm saying this right. Uh, is it Gugu Mbatha Raw? Uh, is that the actress? 
um, she's come on really strong. I, I can't remember a couple of the things she was in. She was someone I hadn't seen before this uh, that I really enjoyed. Obviously, Jennifer Aniston. Reese Witherspoon is brought on as an anchor to replace Steve Carell when he's fired. So that's her dynamic. She's got a whole bunch of shit going on in her life, too. You have Billy Crudup, who is a um, an executive at the... Um, at the network. And then his boss is played uh, by an actor whose name I can't remember. There's all sorts of workplace politics going on. It feels like a game of Thrones type show in that there are a bunch of characters that all have their own stories going on. None of them is really the main character, right? There's just a bunch of stories going on at once that are kind of intersecting between one another. And then they all at different points will pop up and be sort of the front of the attention for that episode. Um, I really, really, really like The Morning Show. I think it's one of those prestige. I think if it was on Netflix, everyone would wa- would have already watched it. And uh, and it would be, you know, like lately everyone is talking about, like, oh, you've seen Ozark, right? I think Morning Show would be one of those things. Um, if it were on Netflix or, or another outlet that like everyone had, uh, I think the Apple TV Plus of it all is limiting. But highly, highly recommend to both you guys to watch and to anyone listening, uh, as far as prestige shows go, I don't watch a lot of them, but really, really liked this one for season one and sets it itself up for a great season two, um, which I guess will probably be delayed because of everything, but uh, we do expect a second season on this one. Yeah, it'd be really nice if Apple would uh, stop being douchebags and, you know, be able to make it easy to watch the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to watch yep. on your phone? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bitch of a time getting to watch, but uh, once we figured it out, I was like, okay, I want to burn through all this right now, and it was, it's good. It really is good, and it's a, it makes you think, too, and it's pretty funny. Uh, Mark Duplass's character is especially interesting to me. He's kind of the, um, he's a producer who's kind of just stuck in the middle of it all, um, where, you know, he's, he's not really directly guilty of having done anything, but he's kind of the guy that's going to have to pay the price for a lot of it, because he was the manager at the time. Um, he's got an interesting sort of angle uh, on everything. There's, it's just it, the whole thing is fascinating. A lot of really fast talking, people trying to one up each other in politic, and uh, it's good. It's good. Folks will like do it. Do you do you see this being? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say a tent pole, but kind of a launch pad for the app. Because I know I've talked to quite a few people, and they they claim that there isn't much for Apple TV. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny with Apple TV. There is there is some stuff on there, and you can go on and just like watch the trailers for the Apple TV Plus programming. There's really interesting stuff in there. I think they really wanted the morning show to be their big launch title. Uh, I saw a ton of advertising for it when when the service first dropped. So my concern would be that that has passed. That the time for advertising the morning show is gone, and they've gotten who they were going to get. They'll have another chance at that when they bring out season two, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they time and market that. But, um, you know, I, I think if word of mouth, because it's been out long enough that uh, you should have heard from someone that it's good by now, like for it to really get viral and stretch out that way, I think it would have happened by now. Uh, but mm-hmm. hopefully uh, a couple of folks hear me talking nice about it and uh, and find their way to it. But uh, as much as much as I dislike Apple and don't support you getting their stuff, if you can get a free trial or or get someone's password or whatever, I highly encourage you to steal the service from them. And uh, and watch the morning show because it is it is very very good. Well, that's the thing is like I've even like I've had it on my phone like you know free trial and it's only like I think it's isn't it only like six bucks a month for Apple TV Plus? It's like super yeah, it's cheap. Not, it's not expensive. Yeah. Um, 
but there's just no way to watch it if you don't have anything Apple. Like, you have to buy an Apple TV thing in order to mm-hmm. cast it to your TV and shit. So, like, it's... I don't want to watch it on my phone, and I don't want to cast my browser to my phone because it's terrible quality. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to spend the money or spend the time to to do all that. That that's the only, that's my only issue. Mm-hmm. I've I've mm-hmm. done it a couple like that. That's a show that I totally would watch. Um, but it's just not. If if they allowed the casting, like from from your browser or whatever, like to actually cast it to your TV, then I would do it. But there's just no there's not even like or if they had an Apple TV Plus app on your like on Google Play. Because uh, mm-hmm. they have an Apple, they have an Apple Music. Like there's an Apple Music app on on Google Play that you can listen to your Apple Music on, but they don't have an Apple TV Plus one. So I, right. they're just they're stupid. Apple is really dumb. They're limit. They're 100 limiting their their audience. They could have so many yep. more people spend six dollars a month for their quality shows. Because it's not only just that. I've heard like C is a great show, and like the the uh, the M Night Shyamalan show is a good show, and um there, there's a few other ones like people really like the shows it's just no one is able to fucking watch them if you don't have an apple phone mm-hmm. jared did you do i remember did you watch the banker that's an apple plus right yep yep i watched the banker the, again that was when it was a come a kind of a limited release in theaters before the app um i mean for for that platform that's a solid movie though mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree with you seth i think the hardware of it all is limiting and it's unfortunate because there's some good there's and there's probably way other way there's probably way more other good shit in addition to the morning show that i'm never going to see because honestly i'm not going to open the app up again until season two comes out so mm-hmm. um so we'll see but if you can get a hold of the morning show it is very good <laughs> and that's the summary let's see what's next here i think uh i don't know if we've all seen this i know at least two of us has uh, li- an interesting little limited uh, limited series of, of some comedy acts here. Uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Uh, this is Thomas Middle... Tom- I can't... I'm having tongue problems today. Thomas Middle Ditch said. and Ben Schwartz. Thomas- there it is. Thomas Middle Ditch and Ben Schwartz are uh, two actors you've seen. Uh, Thomas Middle Ditch most famously in Silicon Valley. Uh, ben Schwartz as... Um, uh, what's his name in Parks John Raffio. Yeah. John Ralphio Sap- Saperstein? Saperstein, yeah. Saperstein. He's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also voiced the uh, voiced uh, Sonic the Hedgehog in 2020's um, uh, Sonic release, uh, which which and, we all enjoyed. And he was in one of my favorite movies from this year, Standing Up, Falling Down. Ah, that's right, yes. Yeah. So Ben Schwartz coming on strong here. Uh, so these two guys partner up. They uh, they ask a few questions of the of some audience members and then they they do an improv show. So this is a taped special of three different nights where they did this. And so it's three different improv shows that are about an hour apiece. So they get a little bit of info from the audience and then they go into a scene and it's a single scene that lasts, you know, 40 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's an interesting setup. It is that simple. And and I think it was done really well. Um I'm not even a guy who, I don't like love improv, right? The, the reason that I was drawn to the show is because I like those two as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but even as someone who's not a, not a huge fan of improv, uh, I really, really enjoyed this. There were some great laughs in here. And Seth, I know you saw this. Jared, have you, have you checked these out yet? Um, yeah, I actually completely forgot about this until you just brought it up. Um, I mean, I was like editing with it in the background, but it was very well done, um, I, I, are they like really good friends or they must just they, have great chemistry? 
I think they yeah. do this show. I think this is something they do not mm-hmm. tape. They tour. This is something they like. They they tour with and and that type of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know they toured with it all last year, and I don't know if it was do the tour to do the show or or how it chicken egg. I don't know which was first, but um, but yeah, I know they toured it all last year all over the country. I mean, just the opening first episode is. You, you think what they're doing is just playing with the audience, but they're actually gaining everything they need for the show, which is mm-hmm. fascinating. And to have to remember it all while you're thinking on your feet, that would, that would be the challenge. Yeah. And they're doing it for a long time. Like, they'll bring something up 40 minutes into a, into a sketch or a, a scene, sorry, that was like an offhanded comment that someone made to them an hour ago. And, and they remembered it while they're keeping track of, in some cases, like seven or eight different characters and their locations because uh, each of them will swap. <laughs> they'll swap characters a number of times, which is funny in and of itself. Um, but uh, it was it was fun. It was creative, and they worked really well off of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And you had to have been impressed uh, impressed by the improv of it all to know that that's what they're doing. I for me it made it all the more rewarding. Seth, did you think so? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It, um, having like not too long uh, right before all this fucking coronavirus stuff went down, I'd gone to uh, Second City, which I think. Thomas Middleditch is that's kind of where he started off. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it, it, it was cool to see because, yeah, I had seen, you know, that that type of comedy not too long ago live and then seeing, you know, the, them kind of do that. It was nice to like, I guess, see it almost on like a higher level because it was a longer form show and these two are, you know, very successful comedians and things like that. So and then obviously those two had known each other for a while and, and that type of thing. So um, getting to see it in that level is pretty cool, but at the same time, it's like you see, you get to see like lot because it's you know they 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 recorded it specifically for this. They didn't really like take out you know certain like when they mess up and things like that. They just literally you know from start to finish recorded it and showed the sh- showed what they have. So it's kind of cool to see even you know just mess ups and all like them doing the show. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was really rewarding. Uh, so even even if you're not already a fan of improv, um, if you like comedy at all, you can just watch this for the scenes themselves, and they're funny. There's some really really funny jokes and shit in there that they make, um, but uh, it's made all the more impressive by the fact that it's improvised and uh, and they look like they're having fun. So it's a great watch. It's three episodes. They're about 50 55 minutes a piece. Um, really easy thing to just throw on um, and uh, and enjoy. And, and and it will it'll take your mind all the way off of of, uh, of whatever else is going on. It, it's a nice escape um, for for a couple hours there. So highly recommend that one uh, as well. And uh, and we'll roll on. We've got we've got two more things to get to, uh, and I know which one I want to save for last. <laughs> so we'll go to uh, we'll go to Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, first Nine-Nine. here, which uh, which I know Seth and I are caught up to. Jared, are you are you caught up with uh, with Brooklyn? Oh Nine-Nine no, right not at all. I think I'm I'm yeah. still on like season two. Oh okay, so he's got a way to go. Um, so Brooklyn Nine Nine just finished its Seth, help me out here seventh seven season. Yep. They're renewed seventh for an season, eighth. and they're they're coming back for an eighth. So this is the second season since the switch over to NBC. Um, and, and really like you wouldn't notice, right? Like if you were just binging these mm-hmm. on Netflix five years from now, you'd never notice a difference since they changed networks, which is really awesome to see. Um, you know, I think back to shows like Scrubs, which, uh, you know, they did a whole repilot when they changed networks well, and no. like in com- community, they, you can tell when they switch. Scrubs didn't though. Uh, season eight was on ABC, um, which was 
still a good season. Like they're they're that's technically where they finished. So they were the first seven seasons of Scrubs were on NBC. Season eight and nine were on ABC. Oh, I didn't realize that those didn't coincide. Okay, so Community yep. is a better example. Um, Community bounced around a couple times, I think, in the last couple seasons, but the last season is on like Yahoo, and mm-hmm. and you could tell by the lighting on screen, like it, you just knew it was different. And mm-hmm. um, there's none of that here. So NBC is still doing a great job after taking it over from Fox. And honestly, this this for me is 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 a season that just shows like they just have not missed a step, right? Like my my opinion on Brooklyn Nine Nine is that it 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 gets really good really quickly in the first couple seasons and then just stays like really good always. Like I don't know that there's been a season where I've felt a dip, but this certainly isn't one. This feels mm-hmm. like all the all the characters are clicking on all cylinders. There's some really good through lines. Um, you know, every, people grow and shit. And there, there's there's the long arcs, but then the episodes in and of in and of themselves stay really interesting. Um, and they're just they're just keeping pace with what was already a really good show. I don't even I can't scream like this is the greatest or anything like that because if you've been mm-hmm. watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, you know what it is. And in the best way I can mean this, it's more of the same. It's it's the great mm-hmm. show that you're used to. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. It's it, there's probably two or three times an episode where you you get a good hearty laugh out of it, um, which I mean you you don't get out of every show like they, they they know they know exactly where to write certain jokes for for each character in in every episode. Um, I think that yeah, in terms of the characters, they they've done a good job. Like they keep everything the same, but they've also changed the characters in that like they put them in they put characters in different positions or different situations uh just like for an overall season or half seasons type of thing so they've done a good job of switching certain things up like for example holt um is in a different uh position in terms of his rank within uh -hmm. with it within the the you know the precinct and so like stuff like that changes and, and they're able that that allows them to like change up situations and keep things fresh um I think the one thing I'm worried about is is like they're introducing now children into the show, and I that's always when shows kind of mm-hmm. take that they jump the shark. I guess that that's kind of their jump the shark or like we've run out of ideas type of thing, and so I'm I'm worried that hope you know maybe you know going into next season that's kind of where they're going. So hopefully like you know maybe like they find a way to do that well or that just end you know maybe the next season's the last season type of thing um and i wouldn't be mad at that like i I enjoy the show a lot and it's something i look forward to watching and and always makes me laugh but you know if they ended it's to the point where like if they end i'm not going to be super sad about it like i'll i'll be sad when it i'll be sad when it ends but i'm not going to be like when i hear it's the last season i'm gonna be like oh you know like this is the worst thing ever you know like i'll I'll be like okay that makes sense you know yeah so Mm -hmm. i don't i I enjoy it a lot though i agree with you it's it's still extremely funny they the characters know exactly what they are They, they they write the characters perfectly and they're still keeping it fresh, fresh enough to, to keep watching. Seth, is Brooklyn Nine-Nine one of the great half-hour sitcoms? Um, I don't know if it's great because it's, there's, I mean, uh, I, great is tough because there's not anything that's like profound in these shows. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're all just very funny and they all, they're, they do things, they write things very well. I don't, I don't think they've done anything differently than other shows though. I think it's all very funny, written well, but it, I don't think it's I don't think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, would I put it on the pantheon with the best ever? I, I I don't know, but but it is really strong and really consistent. So if you haven't mm-hmm. watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, if you're looking for something new to binge, 
this is an easy recommendation. Just start Brooklyn Nine-Nine and start plowing through episodes because um, there's a lot of them and almost all of them are really, really good. So season seven, uh, you'll need to catch on Hulu right now or on the NBC app. Um, otherwise, the rest of the seasons, uh, I'm not sure if they're out there on Netflix. I don't think I don't think they are, actually. I think they're just all on Hulu, yeah. Yeah, um, so you're going to want to check that out on Hulu. To your point about the great thing, with like, I would, I would say Scrubs is a great one, right? Like that, yeah. they're because they they're able to do like crazy silly comedy just like Brooklyn Nine Nine, but then also at the end of the episode make you cry, you know? Yeah. Um, there, there's great acting and 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 then especially hearing like the podcast with Scrubs, they they thought about a lot of the stuff very in depth and in detail, whereas like. I don't think they're doing that with Brooklyn Nine. I love Mike Schur mm-hmm. and I love his comedy and stuff like that. But there's nothing in Brooklyn Nine Nine, like or even like Good Place. Like Good Place, he thought a lot about that stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. what he was gonna, the plan of the show, and like what he is saying about like with that show. And I don't think he's ever trying to really make a statement, other than maybe a few episodes here and there with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, and and that's. And I know because of the vernacular we're using, like, it's not what we would call great, but that's not to say it's not an awesome show you should watch. Like, it, right. that, that, that also makes it a really easy, I know Jared likes to use this one, turn your brain off show. You can just put it on and you'll fucking love it. So it's not, it's maybe not like the prestige level that we talk about when we talk about some of our favorite and greatest sitcoms, um, but it is a fantastic one to just entertain you for 22 mm-hmm. at a time. Um, really, really good stuff there. So Brooklyn Nine Nine stays good, and uh, and Seth, I know you've been waiting to do this for for a little bit here. Um, so I will I will step aside and allow you to publicly uh, and and I hope audibly fillet uh, <laughs> a show a, sh- a show here that's just wrapped up another season. <laughs> <laughs> mm. If if we would have done this uh, last week, uh, right? Because we, I was going to review this last week, uh, but we recorded early, uh, so we recorded before the finale of uh, Better Call Saul is what I'll be talking about. But uh, we recorded before. I, I was going to review it like a day after the, I, I was I was going to watch it. I normally watch it on Tuesdays. We and we since the quarantine stuff has happened, we've been recording on Wednesdays. But we recorded on Sunday to accommodate fucking Kyle. So uh, <laughs> uh, so. Um, I didn't get a chance Wait, to. It's been the... a little bit. There we go. It's a funk, it's a I did song. not have sexual relations. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been a little bit, but I still uh, do very much love this show. So season five, uh, we're going into season six, but season five was the full turn to Saul um, in, in terms of not only just name, but who he's becoming it there there are a few uh huge episodes uh the last three episodes in particular of, of the show um of the season excuse me that that he is full-on Saul Goodman now the Saul Goodman you see in Better Call or Breaking Bad is who he's who who he is now uh, and you see why he is the way he is um the so that's you have pretty much all your main characters in 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 this at this point that you would kind of expect you have your Gus Frings. He he's fully in this. You're seeing him become, uh, the, the drug Lord that he is, uh, in, in better and breaking bad, you know, cause in Bre- breaking bad, he's introduced as like, you know, he's just introduced as this fucking scary ass drug Lord. 
And when you see him in Better Call Saul, he's really not that yet. Uh, you see him take those steps to become that and maneuver his way to become like the top guy. Um, with with Mike uh, Jonathan Banks, um, he Mike Ermitrout, um, he's the the bodyguard for for Gus. You see him kind of get into that position to become the the head guy, the right hand man for Gus, and you see him. Um, you kind of see him become again the same like the, the same thing with with Breaking Bad. He's he's like he's the hitman that that has very calm demeanor that has kind of a reason that he's doing it for like his family and things like that. Um, and, and you see the steps he's taking to become that. Like it's all very planned out. And and the show is called Better Call Saul because it's you know it's a it's a, you know it, it's a show showing how he be, how Saul becomes Saul. But it's way more at this point now a Breaking Bad prequel where they have all of these characters, um, even you know some smaller ones. They talk about they have like the 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 cousins who are the the um they're, they're the cousins of. Um, Tuco, uh, who is who is a main villain in, in season one or two of Breaking Bad. Um, Don Eladio, who shows up in like two episodes of Breaking Bad as like the main drug kingpin again, that's going against Gus Fring. He's in Bet- uh, Better Call Saul. So they're like going real deep cuts with this show and, and bringing in all these characters in this world to get you to the point where you, you were thrown into the world of, of Breaking Bad. And I think we might even be in like overlapping now of the same, t- like, cause you don't meet, um, Saul until season two of, of Breaking Bad. So I think we might even be getting to the point where it's overlapping now. Um, so I think, I, I think next season, which is season six, I bet we'll see, uh, if I was a betting man, I, which I am, um, I would put money <laughs> on, I, I would put money on, um, both Aaron Paul and, and, uh, well, uh, Brian Cranston showing up and, either the finale or parts of season season six of, of better call Saul. Um, but that's the, not only with these characters, but they also, they also have done an awesome job of introducing or, or writing, uh, with a lot of depth, the, the characters that aren't in breaking bad. Um, the, the prime example being, um, Kim Wexler, who is played by Rhea Seahorn. She's, um, Saul's love interest in the show. She's also a, a lawyer. Um, but some of her scenes, are incredible and you're I th- it's with how much you want to see what happened like how Jimmy get, uh, slash Saul get to the gets to the point where he's in Breaking Bad the the I think the more nerve-wracking part of uh, with being the audience here is seeing what happens to her because she's not in Breaking Bad so mm. you're sitting you're sitting there thinking like what the hell why is she not in Breaking Bad what's going to happen to her with season six of Better Call Saul that's going to be the entire show is like what what is her what is her like fate what 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 is going to end up happening to her and and i think that there there are a few scenes just in this season where you're kind of on the edge of your seat like is this where she's not here anymore and 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 you know ultimately she you know she's going to be in season six but it's 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 super intense i think the the last three episodes of this season of Better Call Saul are up there with any episode that Breaking Bad ever did. Um, the The show is a seamless transition, and sometimes even better uh, in terms of quality from Better Call Saul, like you or from Breaking Bad. You can you can. I I can't wait until a few years from now when I'm gonna watch the first episode of Better Call Saul all the way through uh, to El Camino with the with the movie because that that's gonna be 
an incredible watch with how they've tied everything in. So it, it's an amazing show. Uh, it's, I mean, it's up there. Uh, it's, it's probably one and two. Like I'm still, I still love, I mean, it's still, it's hard for me not to say better or breaking bad is my favorite show, but we'll see how this finishes out. I mean, it, it's, this is probably my second favorite show ever. And, and I, it's hard to not even say it's, you know, the same, it's like one, a one B type thing, because like, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's all within the, the whole world. And, and I was skeptical at first of, of better call Saul. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm excited to go jump back into this world, but do we really need it? The answer is yes, we needed it. So Bob Odenkirk's fantastic. Rhea Seahorn's fat. Like the whole cast acts amazingly. The writing is impeccable. There's three, like I said, three episodes that are some of the best episodes of TV ever made. It's it it's amazing. And anyone who's a fan of Breaking Bad who's never watched this, you know, the first couple seasons are slow. Um, still fantastic, great, you know, well acted and all that stuff. But um, by the time you get to season five and what I hope is will be season six, it's it's perfect. It's 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 an amazing show. Man, perfect, amazing show. Those those are the pull quotes. Uh, for better call Saul. Uh, and you're right. You were skeptical. I remember before this came out, you've been, I don't know. Do we need more breaking bad? We'll see. And then, uh, obviously over the course of it, it, it has won you over, uh, Orden, Odenkirk, of course, nominated a bunch of times. Um, I think they've had some supporting actors nominated over the years. So, um, the, the critics love it too. Better call Saul, a lot of love out there. And, uh, and, uh, forgive me if you mentioned this now officially longer than breaking bad. Um, with this next season. Do I have that right? Yeah, more seasons, because uh, the, the final season of Breaking Bad was 16 episodes. They did it like an 8 and 8 thing, so I don't know. I would bet with by the end of Better Call Saul uh, with season 6, it'll probably be the more episodes, but I'm not 100% sure on the number. But yeah, definitely more seasons. It'll be more seasons by the time it's done. Crazy pairing. Is this... Okay, so knowing that this is what they've now done, and Gilligan has stayed, Vince Gilligan, that is showrunner for Breaking Bad. He's he's stayed involved in the same way in Better Call Saul, right? Yeah, he's he's written some. He, he I don't think he's technically the showrunner, but he's a producer. And then he like he directed uh, a handful of episodes. Uh, there there's one episode called Bagman this season. Um, that's I mean it, it, I think if more people watched Better Call Saul, I think it would be talked up there with like the finale of Breaking Bad and like the fly episode of Breaking Bad, like those seminal episodes that people love of Breaking Bad, they would talk mm-hmm. about this Bagman episode with too. It's, it's, I think they said it's, it's the longest episode in, in the entire, like the longest it took to shoot. I think it took like 16 days for them to shoot this where normal episodes like eight, um, eight or 10 days. And, and so it's like the, and it's the longest out of all, out of all the shows and that type of thing. Um, and he, apparently he came right off of shooting, El Camino to shoot this episode so he was very much in the Breaking Bad mode but it shows because um, he you know it's it, it was very Breaking Bad-esque with the style and all that stuff so like I said it all it's all very just like seamless it's the same especially now toward the point where we're getting to Breaking Bad time it's it's all it's all the same like it's it's genius how they've put this all together so they really they've been hitting on their Breaking Bad extended universe would you uh, assuming Gilligan stays involved, right? I think that's a big, big assumption. Uh, would you like to see more, even beyond beyond this, of the Breaking Bad verse, or would you rather see Gilligan try out something completely new? I do want to see him try something new because I, I, I think he's a, a very smart guy. Very, I mean, just the way he crafts all this stuff is incredible. Um, I just don't know where else they could go. Like, 
again, I, I was skeptical of Better Call Saul. So if they, they announce some sort of, you know, additional spinoff show or, um, you know, maybe they, they leave some... Because um, with, with the premieres of Better Call Saul, they've been showing his, like, him in current... I guess not current, because they, they show better... Uh, they show Saul Goodman after the, the events of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So maybe they leave something open there where they can you know, go into the future. Maybe they find something, maybe something happens with Kim Wexler and they can maybe do a show with her. I would be a hundred percent and on board with that. Um, just cause she's so great. Um, but I, you know, I'm not, if he, if he wants to do more in the, in the world of, of breaking bad, I'm 100% open to, to continue to watch it. Bada boom. Bada boom. This is uh Jared, where are you at? I, I don't remember uh, you saying breaking bad, better call Saul. Or have you seen either or both? Um, well, Breaking Bad, yes, I, I've seen El Camino as well. Um, it was one of those things that I didn't watch Breaking Bad until I want to say it was the last episode of the first part of that. You know, they 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 broke up the last season into kind of two different times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I jumped in on the last episode of that first part, completely binged it, and then caught up and watched the uh, season finale on TV live. That was me too. So I think I might do the same thing with this where just completely binge it and catch up so I'm in with the no because every time it comes up on the show, Seth, you are just raving about this movie <laughs> and or this show rather. Um, I guess my whole thing was I was skeptical of like, well, all these characters are way older, but this is taking place before. How is it distracting? Is it not? But it sounds like it's not. No, it's funny because like, um, like with with if you if you look at like Gus Fring, um, what's his name? Uh, Gustavo. Gian, oh no, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito. Yes, um, he's uh, you know he looks the same. He looks exact. I mean, they 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 make him even look younger in the show, which is crazy. Um, it's a lot of like hairstyling and things like that. Like, so they, the, the hairstyle in the early two thousands for like Saul is, is, you know, they're able to like do his hair up to make him look kind of younger and stuff like that. Uh, and then like Jonathan Banks, Mike Ehrmantraut, he's just always looked old. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. That guy's like 47,000 years old. <laughs> yeah. So he looks the same. No matter. Like he does move around a little slow. It's kind of like Bobby D and an Irishman. Um, you know, he, he, he's going to move around a little slow and he has a couple scenes where he's beating the shit out of some people. So, um, but for the most part, he moves around. Okay. I think he moves around the same, like he did in breaking bad. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it all looks pretty, pretty like accurate and, and they look all, you know, age appropriate. So no, it, it, it works well, man. Jonathan Banks, 73 years old. It's older than I would have guessed him. That guy's awesome. I heard him on a, uh, they, they do a, I think I talked about it. They do a Breaking Bad, like, after show podcast, and he was on it to talk about the Bagman episode that, that I mentioned, uh, which is how great that show was, like, that episode was. I, I was so taken taken aback by it that I wanted to go listen to a podcast about it, just that I, specific episode. I, I um, think but, you're selling me just on this episode. It's awesome. This Bagman it, episode. I need to know what this Bagman episode is. It's, just, it's, it's, it's just like with breaking bad there's certain episodes where where you see like that change with, with with walter white it's like that but for better call Saul. And, and you know it takes five seasons to get there but there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens to get to that that episode but that like that's the moment where you can point and be like okay now he's Saul type of thing and mm. because because of the events in that huh i like it 
I, I, I wish I had stayed on. I kind of hopped off Breaking Bad before it really fired up. Um, I wish I had stayed on and, and that I was keeping up with, with Better Call Saul because these are interesting I, shows that sound like I would really enjoy them, but um, uh, just have not. And, and I don't like my odds <laughs> because every every the longer I wait, the more of it is there, there to catch up on. Um, I, I think I do the thing that... Because I think over the years now, like... Because there's a lot of controversy with like Sopranos, a lot of controversy with like Game of Thrones. If if Better Call Saul, like, if they land this sixth season, I think that because I think they're all gonna, I think Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, they're gonna get kind of like combined together in the end. But when, when people look back on like the best shows of all time, I don't, I think it's gonna be, if there's no controversy with the last season, I think it's gonna be hard for people not to say like this is the best show ever because. There's not a bad season. There's not a there like the the finale was is universally loved. Better Call Saul has been universally loved so far, pretty much. Um, again, the the I think a lot of people fell off after season one because it was a slow thing. But so was Breaking Bad. The first season mm-hmm. of Breaking Bad is kind of slow. Still great. Still acted well. Still written well. Just kind of slow. And that was the point of the show is to kind of ramp up. And same thing with Better Call Saul. I think I think when people look back though, there's that the final season of Game of Thrones. People you know a lot of people hate it the the ending of sopranos people a lot of people hate it there's really not that for breaking bad and i think i think if they land that it, it's just going to that's what people are going to look back and be like yeah that's that's the best show <laughs> you know i think it's going to be kind of one of those things that's universally agreed upon man it doesn't get any higher than that praise man i like it really enjoying that better call Saul. any idea when we're expecting the next season Probably not now, but the, with the whole you know uh, COVID. But I don't know because I don't think they were planning to re- to film anytime soon. Because again, hearing how they they uh, I've heard some interviews with Bob Odenkirk, um, like they the the the, f- the filming of that is absolutely insane. Um, they're they're learning like dialogue by like ten like ten twelve pages of dialogue a day, like uh, just to like for for one scene, you know, like they and they they, they apparently the whole cast like. They rent a house together for like three, four months and live in it together while this is all going on. And they rehearse at the house and then like go film. And it's like super intense how they do all this stuff. So I don't think they I think they take big breaks in between because I think there was like an 18 month gap with season four and season five. So it'll probably be a long year and a half before we get another season, (laughs) the final season, especially if they're going to try and make sure they land it right. They're going to spend a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well. Uh, lots of time for folks to catch up to Better Call Saul. Uh, these are on Netflix, I believe, all but the current season. I think so. Yeah, so you can uh, start your Better Call Saul journey there uh, and catch all the way up through the five seasons. Uh, as close to perfect as I've heard uh, heard Seth describe a show. Um, so that, in addition to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, The Morning Show, Middle Ditch and Swartz, and I Am Not Okay With This, all getting recommends. Uh, so lots of stuff for you to go out, get out there and watch. Uh, while you're sitting at home. Uh, and that's all we got this week for the TV Corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. And now it's time for Raid That Pun. Why are frogs so happy? They eat whatever bugs them. million Scoville heat units. (laughs) 
All right, let's switch over to movies here. And uh, Jared and I had to catch up on an old recommendation from Seth. This is We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. All righty. So, looking at uh, at our list of recommendations from Seth, uh, who for We Missed the Boat has mandated that I watch on a biweekly basis one of five films that I've never seen, uh, but that he's been recommending. And this week, Jared and I joined forces, and we watched 2006's Thank You for Smoking um, with Aaron Eckhart. And uh, a bevy of other stars. Uh, one of the first thing that surprised me about this movie was everyone who's in it. And this is a banging cast. You got uh, J.K. Simmons is in here. Uh, is it David Koechner? Is that um, yeah. Packer on The Office? Um, mm-hmm. You had those two on there. Katie Holmes uh, is in here. Um, oh, there's more. Uh, William um, H. Macy is Rob in here Lowe. in a really funny role. Rob Lowe. His, he's a hilarious one, too. Um, so this is uh, Jason Reitman, right? Yes. Yeah, so he he writes and directs this based on a book. Um, So I guess some of this is based on a true story. But Aaron Eckhart is a lobbyist for the big tobacco companies. And so um, the movie is about him and the goings-on of his job and some some things that he gets into uh, as it relates to that job. He's really, really good at the job, but the job is selling cigarettes, right? So there's an interesting... um, they kind of play with morality in this in an interesting way. And they show you the things that he as a lobbyist has to say, um, in order to do his job well, and then also feel good morally. Uh, so it's an interesting thing that they explore there. Um, but this movie's a comedy, I think first and foremost. And, and I knew that going in that it was going to be kind of satirical and funny, but it, it is even more comedic than I anticipated. It's very, very funny. There's lots of hilarious dialogue in this. Everything in this is tongue in cheek and satirical. So you got to have, you got to be willing to go some places uh, with what's funny in here. For example, they, he has a, a couple friends he hangs out with who are in the alcohol lobby and the, the firearms lobby, and they call themselves the merchants of death. And they play that for comedy and you have to be willing to go there. Um, to enjoy the the comedy in this movie, but I thought this was really funny and creative and smartly written and well performed. Um, really, really enjoyed this one. I've been talking a lot, especially lately. Jared, what did you think of uh, Thank You for Smoking? Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was very goofy. I guess I wasn't I wasn't expecting what I got, but I was pleasantly surprised with what I got. Um, I remember the posters and the trailers and I, I guess in my mind I thought it was kind of like a serious take on it and then like he maybe like switches sides but I very much loved yeah like you're saying the tongue-in-cheek situation like there's one part I don't even know what what sprouted it or how it got there but they're talking about like landmine makers and seal beaters and like yeah it was yeah. just so goofy <laughs> Um, and, and that's what really kept me engaged. I mean, obviously they're tackling serious situations and there's like irony and, you know, like tongue in cheek and it's, it's very much played to comedy. Um, and that, that, I think that that's what I've enjoyed most about it is just, it, it wasn't what I expected. I would agree. Yeah. And, and I don't know how it was marketed back in the day that, that made us think that, but I was really happy with what we got here. Um, this was right up my alley. I think uh, I, I really like when there's a fast talking smooth guy in this and he's got that aspect. He's the sexy, cool guy and always can talk his way out of situations. And there's really smart dialogue in here that does that. 
Um, but also it tackles the morality issue in a way that's really interesting to me. Um, and they, they let, they let people on both sides of whether or not he can be, if he can be considered a good man, right. And everyone is on one side of that either, or they give points to both sides in this movie. So it plays kind of down the middle, which is really hard to do when it comes to tobacco, but the movie does it in a way that I think is really smart and cool. Um, but ultimately, it was just a really rewarding and fun watch. Very he- heavy on the satire, so um, be ready for that. But this is one I'd recommend. Um, Aaron Eckhart is really good. You can so if you remember, this came out before uh, the Dark Knight, and you can see why he was cast as Harvey Dent in here. That was one of the things that stood out to me as well. Like mm-hmm. you can see what they were looking at when they picked him for Dark Knight. Yeah, I was assigned to to watch this for a class, and uh, I, I was happy I did because uh, I, I Jason Reitman was a guy I liked before going into, and I didn't realize that he directed and wrote it until later. So yeah, I, I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah, big fans. Um, but it it provides us Seth with a problem. I think you know what that is. Our list is down to four, so we need uh, we need another suggestion from you. Well, I think I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna complete the the uh, the Jason Reitman uh, catalog <laughs> here. Uh, I got one more here, kind of similar uh, in terms of tone, and it's got the satire, but it's political, um, and it's gonna scratch the uh, Hugh Jackman itch that I, that I'm sure um, that that we'll have with talking about bad education, but um, and very similar in terms of his roles with that that movie. But the front runner uh, is mm-hmm. what I'll add to your list. Jason Re- Jason Reitman directed this. He didn't write this himself but stars Hugh Jackman uh, about the political um the the presidential run of uh, Gary Hart back in the 80s so uh, I like this one a lot but uh I think it'll it'll be a good transition from what you had with uh, thank you for smoking awesome yeah I'm excited about this one I I I pulled up Reitman um after I watched this and thought oh what, what else have I not seen from him and that was on the list so I was glad that you um glad that you threw that up there so um, we've got five movies now on my list. Um, so in two weeks I'll be reviewing either Toy Story 3, Mall Rats, Waves, Richard Jewell, or The Front Runner. Um, but next week, Seth, uh, with help from Jared as well, will be reviewing one of his five movies. What are you guys choosing from? Got Silence of the Lambs, The, the Game! The Game! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> training Day. Uh, being John Malkovich and Hidden Figures. Uh, is there movies in there that you haven't seen, Jared? Um, Hidden Figures. Yeah, there's. I'm not gonna say which ones, but yeah, there there are. Well, Hidden Figures apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it in case people are like, "Ooh, which ones he's gonna watch?" Ooh, yeah, there it is. Well, uh, Seth and Jared will be watching Hidden Figures or something else <laughs> for <laughs> for, uh, for next week's We Miss the Boat. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. We're continuing to have fun and high success rates with these. Um, and by the way, I would tell you if I hated one of these, but so far it hasn't happened. Uh, these have all been really nice watches, so that's been good. <clears throat> all right, so uh, the front runner. You just made the list. And that's gonna do it for We Miss the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. Alrighty, folks, we are just about wrapped up, but you know we got to give you some reviews. Let's get into two newbies here. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right, guys. So these are we have two movies that both of you saw. Uh, both of you saw each of them. Uh, so so we'll we'll check out some of the new offerings. Uh, one from Netflix and one from HBO. Why don't we start with this Netflix one? 
uh, I'm very interested to hear about this and whether or not I need to to take the time to go watch it myself. Excretion? <laughs> I hope that's not a review. <laughs> um, what do you th- what do you think, Jared? Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's get into this. So Netflix Extraction and it's uh net uh we get the producers, the Russos coming in. We have the screenplay from Joe Russo. We have Sam Hargrave directing it who uh this is his first directorial debut and he is sort of you may know him from all of the stunts kind of in the MCU. Um I believe John Wick as well, is that correct, Seth? Oh, I don't know. I, oh, I don't, don't know, know that deep. I, I kind of um, was Atomic more Atomic Blonde. Level. I know he's he's very he he's a he, he does a lot of stunts, and it definitely shows in this film. But kind of the plot of this film is Chris Hemsworth. He's the main character. He's this mercenary or kind of black market mercenary for hire, and a son. The son of um, a crime lord essentially is kidnapped by the opposing crime lord. And then Chris Hemsworth's character is called in. I think it's Tyler Rake, I believe. He is called in by all of the, you know, this group of people. And it's like, hey, you, we need to extract this kid out of this situation. So wow. you can see that, yeah, whoa, man, whoa. And it does a, a, a decent job of kind of setting up the character. But the main crux of this movie is, boom, throw him into this situation. And you have to get this kid out of this city with all of these cronies after him essentially and um the i would say that the action is you know you can tell that this is done from the point of view of a stunt coordinator um there's this one sequence that it just takes you from fist fight gunfight knife fight car chase um throw a guy through a wall um it, it kind of hits every facet of what you want in an action sequence which then i after reading i i read this last night i had no clue that this was the case but it's a 12 minute one take so what the the action sequence that they're talking about is just the camera is following them the whole time and it it's not done for you know the 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 sake of it being a stunt like oh we did this in one take like it actually follows the characters through a situation that they're dealing with where you know maybe they're getting separated but one of them is fighting through to get back to that kid um Seth you want to take over and kind of your thoughts on the film yeah I mean um you de- you described the the story and everything much more than I did because uh there there wasn't really or much more than I would because to me there wasn't there wasn't much of a story for me to be interested in it was pretty cookie cutter actually like there's a million video games that are like this. Yeah. Um, I think you described in your review uh, on, on your YouTube channel that um, it, it was like a video game mission. You know, like you, you're, you're, he was going in to get the kid. You're, he's killing a bunch of people. Waves uh, of people get, coming after him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, There's kind of like a, a you know, so, again, it's something you've seen before where it's like his family is... Um, for some one reason or another, his family is not around and he's... Um, you know, he's very a distant person and uh, Chris Hemsworth, I mean, and, um, you know, he, he's, he's not happy. He's, he's a very sad, depressed person. And, you know, it just, it's all stuff you've seen many times before in an action movie. But what I will say is that the action, like you said, is fantastic. There's some really amazing shots. There's a couple of brutal moments in it. 
Um, the, 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 the hand-to-hand combat's done really well. The shooting's done really well. The driving's done really well. It's a gorgeous movie. And I was, I was home alone watching this one. Uh, no one else in the house. So I turned the sound way the fuck up (laughs) and, and it was awesome with the sound. It was very loud. And, and I had the subwoofer next to me and it was, it was going like crazy. So that's how this is best viewed. Like if this was viewed in the theater, I would have had a blast watching it because Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, I mean, it's not like a fun movie, but it's like. The action is great. It's and then there is a nice like a nice connection with with Chris Hemsworth and the kid in this one. Um, like the acting isn't amazing in this in the movie, but it, it's done well enough where you care about those two um, and their relationship. But um, you don't come to this one for the story. You come for it for the amazing fights and the, and the sound and and the the some of the great camera shots in it. So um, I had a good time. It, it's one again one of those where you can just turn it on. Uh, watch some some cool action come come there for that and it's free on netflix you don't have to worry about um you know paying for it so it's it's definitely worth worth a worth a watch especially if you're you know having some drinks or whatever and just want to see some cool fucking action yeah yeah it's definitely you know a fun time it it is kind of funny um the story beats that i mentioned i I probably gave you more than the movie even gives you um (laughs) and and the characters you don't feel much attached to them but but it's it's the way it's shot and the way that the action flows like it's i wouldn't say a summer blockbuster type movie but it's actually it's like seth said you know pour yourself a drink have a good time with what it is that's good that sounds good to me that sounds not like something I can check out. Is it at least? It's not like three hours long, is it? No, it's about two. Okay, I can do that. I like this. I like Hemsworth, and I'll say this: uh, you're saying a lot of the things that are similar um, to what I said about like Twenty One Bridges, which which the Russos were also involved in, where it's just like a nice, like a nice tight action movie, and uh, this sounds different in style in that it's more explodey type action. Um, but, uh, it sounds like on that same level. So I would encourage you guys, if you enjoyed that, um, give 21 bridges a chance. And because I like 21 bridges, I'm more likely to check out extraction, uh, because (laughs) I like car chases. So, um, I may check this out. This is on Netflix now. Uh, so folks can go out and watch this. And, uh, you've got a second movie on HBO that, uh, if I'm reading our text chain, right, you guys are pretty excited about. (laughs) That Um, is correct. Yes, yeah, I'll start on this one quick. Uh, bad, bad education on HBO. Um, Jared mentioned it in, in our text chain, but it's good. It's a good one to go in kind of um, blind if you can. Uh, so we'll keep it kind of um, brief. But stars Hugh Jackman uh, plays Frank Tassone. He's a superintendent of a New York school. Um, also has Ray Romano, um, Allison Janney's in it, uh, and then the girl from um, she's John Cena's daughter in Blockers. Um, she's been in a couple other things. Uh, oh, yeah, I think she's, she's John. Uh, I think she's John. Oh God, I wrote it down somewhere. Well, her name is uh, yeah Geraldine Visvathan. Vis- yeah, there we go. Visvanathan. Um, she's been in a couple things, uh, but Blockers is kind of her main main one. Um, but basically, the the story here is there's some shady things going on uh, within this school um, in terms of uh, financials. And uh, the the story of this is kind of the unraveling of what's going on within within the 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 school in terms of the money because the whole the whole point of it is the school is doing super well. There's super high graduation rates and people going off to, to Harvard and and Yale and all those types of things. And um, 
the the school is making a lot of money because of it and and um it, it's very much about like that that balance of you know kind of those shady things versus um the 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 success and how parents and teachers and and administrators they all kind of balance the 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 morality of all that stuff and and the unraveling of like where this is coming from and all that. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's a true story based off a true story. I actually looked it up after. So like certain characters are, um, either were, were created for this, but based off of certain people, um, or were kind of, uh, amplified for the movie, but overall based on a true story, um, and kind of how that all comes to be is really interesting too with, within this, within the story. Um, Hugh Jackman, like I mentioned, is the lead here. I know, Cody, you and I had had a discussion, um, not I, probably a year or two ago, about Hugh Jackman, and and maybe we were maybe talking about a role that was cast, and you might you might have brought up Hugh Jackman and being like, oh, he'd be great for this, and I was kind of skeptical, but I'm full on uh, the Hugh Jackman uh, yeah. ship with with like between the front runner and and this, um, seeing that he can do stuff completely out of the realm of just Wolverine it's it's and I never saw Les Mis but I know that he you know he's nominated for an Oscar for it but you know it, it's not that hard to be nominated for you know a musical they, they pretty much give those out so um <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but uh man if we had more Oscar time <laughs> um but uh no I mean with 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 seeing all the different roles he does here he is he is such a such a damn good actor. Um Ray Romano's fantastic. Like, he's continuing to do more and more dramatic stuff and and he is fantastic. Allison Janney's always great. Um and she again carries that on here too. So performances are really great here. Um I think it's it's actually a pretty funny movie at times. It's also very dramatic at times. Um it takes place in the early 2000s and I noticed too like some of the film almost looks like it was shot like in the early 2000s. Um, they're like they even have at points in this where there's like with the film like older movies, and I think I actually noticed this actually watching a movie from the early 2000s earlier this week. There's like those like white like little specks that pop up here and there on the screen. I noticed that happen a few times of this movie because um, they make it look like it was shot on film and that type of thing. Awesome. Um, Overall, though, like really, really well done on all aspects, um, acting, writing, um, directing, all of it. Like I, I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. I love the based on true story scandal type movies, too. So I was fully in, on board with this one. Um, if you have HBO or want Cody's password, let me know. Uh, definitely <laughs> check it out. Um, uh, you can reach out to Jared, too. He has it now, too. So um, <laughs> Um, but I loved it. Uh, I loved it 100. I would I would recommend it. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love it as well. I don't know much more I can add without potentially giving too much away. Um, I liked how you touched on the way that it was like kind of like the the film looked or the way that the just overall movie, f- I guess, felt. Um, because I was looking for screenshots afterwards, and I'm like, I can't find any clear photos. But that's the way that they shot it, and it makes uh-huh. it feel unique or genuine to that time period. Um, but yeah, the the whole true life fraud, figuring out what the hell is going on, I, I that's fascinating. But then the way that they were able to just give you little tiny breadcrumbs and see uh-huh. the kind of point of views of three different parties working and then how all of it 
potentially comes together in the end. Um, yeah, it. I mean, Hugh Jackman is great. Um, the girl from Blockers, I know you said her name earlier. Um, she's wonderful. But then Alice and Jenny as well. Um, yeah, this is this is a movie, and I don't think many people are checking this out. I think this is one that you should definitely seek out. I've seen, um, so when I'm on HBO to watch like last week tonight, for example, um, they have been advertising it on HBO, but I've seen nothing outside of the HBO app. So I think this is really, really under, under known about. Um, so hopefully the folks out there will, will heed your, your word and, and rush out and see, uh, or stay in, rush over to your couch or stay in your bed and r- rush over as you climb to the other side of your bed wow. and grab your laptop. Um, and, uh. Watch Bad Education on HBO. Um, uh, and this actually is exciting. The, this is one I want to see. The writer and director of Thoroughbreds did this too. So uh, no shit. And I, I actually thinking about it now too, pulling that up, um, very much has like kind of that that style too. He, I think this director has has a unique style to to him. He, like he he has a does a good job of like. I guess, like, with this situation, too, because it's, like, again, it takes place in the early 2000s. The camera looks a lot like that. But he still has, like, a similar way that things are, are positioned. And I don't know, like, Jared, did you see Thoroughbreds? I did not. No, I'm okay. aware of it. I did not, though. Um, I think, Cody, you'll understand, you know, when you go go to see this in terms of just, like, so the way that they position certain shots. And I don't know if, how much he has to do with this versus the director of photography with it, but, like, the one because like thoroughbreds is very like a one-on-one movie and so some of the shots in that the way they're positioned are very similar to bad education i kind of noticed that now thinking about it because some of there's some shots a lot of the movie is very one-on-one um like interaction type intense moments so yeah i don't know i i liked it i liked it a lot this sounds dope I'm going to try to i, I like this you're right seth there has been a lot of these scandal true stories uh, and I don't know if it's more than ever or if it's just that I'm noticing it more, but uh, a lot have been coming out and a lot of them have been bangers lately. There's been some really good mm-hmm. shit. And I, I I think about it too with like, I will I will watch anything like based off a true story that happened um, like in the 2000s because I can place where I was during that time mm-hmm. and think yep. about where I was and like, oh shit, this stuff is going on at the same time. So I'm very much like wanting to check those things out. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how did I not hear about this? But then I'm getting right. like, I was living my own world at that time. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, good stuff. Uh, Bad Education on HBO, Extraction on Netflix. You can stream both now. Both are getting thumbs up in this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. <laughs> I hated it. All right, folks. Well, we're done with reviews, so we are just about done with the show. Uh, but before we go, got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I am going to decide to do for my one more thing community. Um, just <laughs> finished a just finished a rewatch of the entire series um, of Community. Uh, my Gina was watching it for the first time, and so I got to rewatch it and and have her see it for the first time. So it was really fun and rewarding. Uh, Community, one of those shows you can watch on Netflix now. Uh, that's a, uh, an awesome sitcom to just throw on and, uh, and watch kind of like, uh, kind of like Brooklyn nine, nine that we talked about before, but super creative, great casting, um, you know, great ensemble there. Uh, really rewarding. We've talked about community in the past. I will say I, I reaffirmed the last season is, is tough. 
Um, but uh, but there's some really great stuff uh, in every season uh, of Community. So uh, just a, a, yet another shout out to the show Community after after my finishing another rewatch, which is going to free up some time for me to check out other stuff. So maybe now I'll get to some of these things on my long list of recommendations I don't take. I guess for my one more thing, um, I'm just going to maybe a little announcement or a little kind of like toot my own horn, but next week it'll be three years of me doing movie reviews on (laughs) which which just thank you for that by the way um which just seems i don't know just weird kind of thinking about it and again i mean your podcast it's gonna be three years what a month after that um yeah, I think you're early early July, late June, somewhere in there. Jesus coming up Christ. on that. It's just yeah. weird. It is like think back when where we were, what we were doing, how how much easier I mean, believe me, I can't talk worth shit, but so much easier kind of conversing with other people and obviously this is a love and whatnot, but like I've just learned so much through this time as well. I don't know, it's three years, that's wild. Man, that's crazy. That is that is that is weird that it's been that long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I still remember us going to this party uh, Memorial Day weekend, yep. sitting in a kitchen just kind of talking about this stuff. And man, it it time flies, I guess. It really fucking does. As quickly as it seems to go, and we've talked about this many times before. Uh, when you go back and watch some of your original stuff that's how you can see the time that's passed, right? Like how, yeah. how the quality of what you're putting out has improved over time. Well, another two, I'm sure you guys uh, relate to this, but like you now know where you were in life dependent on a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so weird. But yeah, Man. yeah, three years, crazy. Man, well, congrats on the three years. Um, we're going to have... Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun, I hope, on uh, on this this coming episode of, of J Buck Live. Uh, do a little celebrating on there. Uh, what was it, uh, Margaritas? That's the invitation, Margaritas for uh, for this week. Yeah, episode? probably. You know, it's uh, Cinco de Mayo. Um, I'm sure we're all gonna still be quarantined, so you know, blend up a margarita and let's party. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'll be making my signature coderita, uh, which is more delicious and more deadly than the standard margarita. Uh, is it so what well, was it two to parts it. tequila one part mix it is uh two part two part mix one part tequila one oh, tray okay. of ice that's the one key tray you of ice. yeah you don't one overwater tray. it so it, it's not super slushy it's really it's a really thin slush um but uh you don't put too much ice in it that keeps it high level of alcohol you're gonna get fucked up if you have a pitcher of coderitas promise you that don't worry they'll tweet out the recipe this week <laughs> yeah yeah we should get that up on the soco page yeah i don't know from my experience of living with you uh it was usually uh you know the the two parts mix one part tequila one tray of ice and then one part uh on the counter that wasn't cleaned up for three days <laughs> well hey my 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 cleanliness is not on trial here <laughs> well i don't know how that got brought Done not. Uh, what do you? What's your one more thing? I want to finish this shit. Uh, I got a couple movies. Um, first, I rewatched Midsummer recently, and I will oh, stand yeah. by that I love that movie. Um, 
I, I think that my I appreciate it on on a very um, uh, on a filmmaking level because you know I think we talked about like when we, when when we all saw it um, you know certain certain things that we remember being pretty obvious in terms of, like foreshadowing but I rewatched it from like purposely looking for a lot of stuff in that movie and from the beginning of the movie even before they get to that compound and stuff they are foreshadowing everything. Hmm. Uh, paintings, pictures, all like stuff they say, like all kinds of stuff. Like from the beginning, there's not a wasted scene in that movie um, in terms of foreshadowing and what happens. So um, there's so much detail. Like it made me appreciate even more what he did, uh, Ari Aster, in terms of making this movie. Um, he he put a lot into it. Uh, and just in terms of a filmmaker, he is very impressive. Um, so I, I, I still very much appreciate that movie. And not only that, he filmed that back-to-back Hereditary and then that back-to-back. So he Man. didn't probably have much time to do that stuff, like to, to prep for all that. Like, super impressive. Um, that, that guy is fucked up in the head, clearly. But um, <laughs> he, 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 as a filmmaker, he is he, he's doing a great job. So I appreciate that movie. And then also another movie I saw um, shortly before uh, all of the fucking... Uh, world shutdown uh the assistant that has julia garner from ozark uh that is now on vod to rent so you don't have to pay twenty dollars to see it uh it's a it's a rental i think five bucks or whatever so uh if you have some time this weekend uh definitely check that one out i enjoyed that one a lot julia julia garner is a great actress doing some great stuff so uh check out the assistant now on vod there you have it folks the assistant is out there midsummer is out there community is out there you can watch them all while you're celebrating three years for JB this week and one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Oh, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 142 of the SoCo show. Uh, lots we, of great uh, stuff today. We mentioned a tease for, for next week. Yes, yes. We'll get to the tease in like 30 seconds uh, before <laughs> we do that. Shouts out to our uh, all of our sponsors. You can link to them in the description box. Shouts out to all of our contributors as well. Uh, if you're going to become a contributor, head over to Anchor and do that. Uh, otherwise, just keep clicking on these episodes. Uh, every listen helps the show. Uh, so, fun stuff for next weekend. Um, what we have come up with um, is that uh, essentially we're going to have another sibling guest uh, on the show. And you might be thinking, well... We already had Cody's brother, and Seth's an only child, so what's... What? That's right. Seth, you have a sister? (laughs) (laughs) We are going to have the one and only Jill Buckendall. At Jill Jill. Buckendall. Uh, And it's going to be fun. Uh, We're going to have Jill's interview of Seth. She's got some questions for you, buddy. Uh, So get ready to put a... Go into Judge Jill. Not that one. There you go. Kyle's going to be yeah, pissed Jill, when we repurpose a sounder. <laughs> Jill, Jill better get some requests in now for, uh, sounder. for a sounder if she want one, wants one. That's right. Yeah, Jill, if you're out there listening, uh, let me know what you want in your personalized entrance sounder. Uh, just so you know, Kyle's... I really like feet. ...is taken from last week, so you <laughs> can't have that one. That's that's forever Kyle now. But um, uh, let me know what you want, and, uh, and we'll get you on the show 
this next week. So look forward to that one next week. Also, more celebrations for Jared and his third year uh, of, of doing the show. You can catch Jared on J Buck Live uh, Tuesday It'll night, be- 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Jared, any any other teases? Anything you can drop for the SoCo listeners what, what that they can expect on Tuesday's show? Oh, I have no. I haven't planned it yet or anything like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I. I suggested maybe a clip show. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> there yeah. it is. We're, we'll be celebrating Jared next week with the three years. We'll have Jill on. It'll be a Buck and Doll Bonanza next week. Buck and Doll Bonanza. Wow, that is. Uh, it's Buck and Doll. It's Buck and Doll Bonanza think, week here on NBC. I think Jill Sounder should be the theme to Bonanza. <laughs> ah, I can get that. I can get that. We can get that, Jill. Let me know. Uh, if that's what you want. Looking forward to having Jill Buckendall on the show next week alongside Jared. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And we're going to, we're going to get some more, uh, hopefully some JB childhood embarrassing stories that we haven't yet gotten from you. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're going to get worse than the pickle story, which you just freely offered up to us, but uh, <laughs> yeah, episode one, I'm like, uh, 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 uh you want to hear about my pickle? <laughs> Oh wow! In the in the la, in the eleventh hour, Jared comes through with this week's uh, show title. We hadn't had one yet, <laughs> but uh, I think that one's going to be it. <laughs> and, and I already know the tweet is going to be come come here about her pickle and listen to episode one whatever of the Soko show. <laughs> wow! There you go. There, yeah, the listener just got to hear how the sausage gets made. So uh, awesome or the stuff. Pickle. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's going to do it again for episode 142. Make sure you come on back for, uh, for Jill next week. Uh, but until then we have, uh, we have Seth Ott and JB at Jared Buckendall. Thanks for coming back this week, buddy. I have been co-exotic and we all will see you next week. Bye.